Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dice Divide Live. Yay! One of these days we'll have actual sound effects. Uh, I'm your host, Adam, and with me, as always, is the wisest of Kensai's, the Dr. Jekyll to my Mr. Hyde, John <laughs> With us today is also the proud owner of the ITS tag, Um we know him as Eric. <laughs> some some people prefer to prefer to call him that. Yeah. Hello. Welcome, so, welcome. Thank you. Uh, he is also the uh, the artist behind this wonderful T-shirt that I'm wearing, Ooh, which you can it. get if uh, which you can get on his website if you're interested. EricLworth.com. There you go. Plug. How's it going? Yeah. Doing good. Doing good. Thank you. Excellent. Happy to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you. So, uh, what's everyone drinking tonight? Well, I am having uh, some Earl Grey tea infused with some brown sugar bourbon from the wonderful city of Eugene, Oregon. So if you ever make it out there, be sure to say hi to Gunnar, Alex, and Rick. I'll show you good infinity time. Very, very nice. Eric? I am drinking a Frame IPA, arguably the best IPA. Ooh, them's fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a Frame. It uh, is very good. It's a very good IPA. <laughs> Tonight, I am uh, enjoying a lovely Mazama Brewing Tripel Belgian-inspired ale. There you uh, go. Rock. Yeah, I needed something at 10.4%, apparently, to get <laughs> tonight. Yeah, seems about right. <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of those days. One of those days. <laughs> so, John, why don't you uh, take it away with some Bromad Academy news? Sure. So, uh, what's coming next, next uh, month, which is tomorrow in July... We're going to do RCR list building as our mission. So what that means is pretend you're going to the Rose City Raid, which is unfortunately not happening this year because of COVID. Womp, womp. Um, and build two lists uh, for that tournament and send them in with uh, explanations of why, why you took what you did, what your plan is for various units, uh, what list you plan to take for various missions. So everything's on the uh, on the uh, Bromad Academy website, but just for those of you listening and watching right now, the mission list is looting and sabotaging, show of force, Hunting Party, Countermeasures, and Biotech 4. So not an easy list of missions. Are you, are you uh, allowing the Soldiers of Fortune Extra like we were at the Rose City Raid? If you want to, go ahead. Uh, I won't say no. <laughs> and uh, important note, all of them will be red classified deck, the hard mode, because that's the way we do okay. things in Rose City Raid. Um, the next quarter's painting, we're switching to quarterly painting contest now. Next quarter's theme is Lieutenants. Any lieutenant profile, paint it up. You're good to go. The usual stuff, you know, send in four pictures, uh, one before picture. Again, all the rules will be on Bromat Academy tomorrow. Um, speaking of uh, the... Okay. the um, go ahead. I was going to say, I think I'm going to uh, participate in both of them. Uh, I, I think I should do the list building out of... Out of yeah, you, you are <laughs> to the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It will be an, an infinity celebrity submitting to Bromat Academy. Hooray! Yeah. Yeah, for the for the uh, the the my my own yeah my penance for the punishment <laughs> that I was putting everyone else through with that one. Right, it's a it's a it's a great exercise. I I think you'll have a lot of fun. And uh, the um the uh, uh, mission will have some uh, so helpful suggestions too if you if you need some some assistance. Anyway, uh, the other thing that's happening soon uh, the code one painting contest is over. 
Um, so we've got all of our uh, wonderful entries in. So we've got uh, Alian Kai, Eric, our very own Eric right here has painted up this beautiful um, uh, Nice HMG. And we've got, uh, you know, Crocman, uh, Knox with a very subtle hidden uh, conversion. We've got the awesome hack Tao from Leif up in uh, Seattle. And we have yeah. this beautifully painted uh, O12 from Troy. Uh, one thing to note is that technically the Sirius team is not a legal entry for the code one because it's not legal in code one so we well, judge the gamma and we'll yeah, talk the gamma looks good the gamma looks great we'll we'll, we'll talk uh, in detail about what's going on next week on next week's uh the dice abide excellent so yeah. how about, uh, let's talk about some new corvus belly releases yeah uh, basically all of these basically so yeah i mean first up is the is the uh, non-limited edition lian kai uh with his spear uh and he looks mm pretty rad he does yes. i i think i need him too i think <laughs> i need both of them i mean he'll make a great shaolin i mean sh sure mm -hmm. just as sure. a show, but man that's what's like a that's a demotion right there <laughs> i mean sure but i mean i've got to find i've got to find some use for him i'll find one yeah it'll be fine i'm not i'm not concerned it'll be a good time uh and <laughs> then and then we've also got the um the uh standard release kunai solutions ninja with shock marksman rifle with yep. Uh, I love that pose. That's the pose that made me go back and like hunt down the old school Oniwaban, uh, okay. which has the same pose. And, that is uh, such a beautiful ninja. Yeah, and and I would argue that it's probably going to be the more used profile of the two. I I agree. I actually think that this is one of those situations where they made the limited edition profile probably a less desirable one, mm -hmm. which is good because yeah, um, you know, it's happened before where they make the limited edition one the one that everybody wants. Right. <laughs> That's a little problematic. So I think they kind of learned their lesson, probably going back to like the QB Edgar, right? The, the boarding shotgun was the one. Yeah. And then they made the, the SMG, the same. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. Yeah, Makes but total the, sense. The, the nice shock marksman is pretty, it's a pretty rad profile too. It's a pretty cool profile, yeah. It, it doesn't mind getting close to use, you know, its sword. No, it really doesn't. And it can get to unusual places thanks to climbing plus so i'm looking forward to putting that guy together and using them on the table especially uh, then, if you're gonna play uh winter force that's that's kind of your one guy there yeah oh, that's very true cool. yeah um and then for o12 we've got the code one bot release with the copper bot so those uh, are yeah i think those are the coolest or most made period really even better <laughs> than the hakislam ones yes yes <laughs> okay fair I, enough i really like the hakislam ones but these just these just knock knock out of the park for me. Um, those are just fantastic models. They are absolutely fantastic. I I do think they're very design language similar to the Alef ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those legs. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean it makes sense, right? Uh, from from both a design aesthetic and an engineering practicality. So I'm definitely in favor of all of that. Uh, I just you know I think for me that kind of docks them a little bit. For, for for no other reason other than my subjectivity, um, but yeah, As I don't know. Out, they appear to have better weather mounts than uh, the Hawk Islam ones. Yes, the Hawk Islam ones yeah. are are very duct tape and bailing twine. It's like I'll just put this like little thing. <laughs> pew 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 pew. Equalless right? HMG. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's how HMGs work, right? That's yeah. that's what I hear. Um, but the big news uh, uh, was that uh, Tao Wu the. Um, the the metal alt skin for Aristea is uh, they're coming they came out with a profile for him that will be available in what was it um, white banner vanilla and vanilla yep yeah I am 
I am. So, I was looking for any reason to use that model. He was just going to be an HVT for my dot shot because he looks like an evil crime lord, which is exactly what he's supposed to be. Right. Uh, he's a mastermind use, and schemer. Yep, exactly. Now that I can use him in, in my uh, white banner, going to have him. Plus, I mean, Hollow One with counterintelligence is just such a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. He He's definitely a good, like, near DZ clearing guy or in DZ defense. Yeah. I, yeah. I struggle to see how, you know, you would use him to attack unless you're just feeling, you know, spicy or something. You're like, I'm going to do it. Send him in. I mean, within eight double nanopulsers and double viral pistols, like, if you yeah. pick wrong, you get you get slapped. And you, you right. have to, like, you're forcing a dodge and he's shooting on 15s at first three viral. What would, what would you hide him as? I mean, my, my first thought is just, like, a Zanshi. Right. Like, almost actually, um, I kind of like the idea of hiding him as an obvious lieutenant, Zanshi on a roof. Mm. Right? Somebody comes, somebody comes gunning for you, lieutenant, and you're like, surprise, double nanopulse. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Or, I uh, mean, heck, even engage, you know, try to engage a monofilament of down. So, yeah. especially since Icol um, affects the opponent on engage. So, right. they get close. Big thumbs up for him. I don't know, like just being able to use the model, like you said, is worth it. Um, speaking of models that you can use, uh, CB also announced that uh, there's a new manga that they've been teasing for a while, right? So the first one was Outraged, and we got Nalf out of that box. This time we get uh, combined Sepsiturized Kodali, uh, and I'm really looking forward to the story. It's supposedly been spoiled, which is a bit of a bummer, but uh, I'm, I've avoided looking at anything. Um, but yeah, the model itself is... Pretty cool. You say sepsiterized like it's a bad thing. I like to think liberated from, from her, you know, human chains. Like, oh, that model is so rad. I love Kodali in the game. Yeah. Um, now that we're playing Paradiso, like I'm super pumped to like, okay, let's get these combined missions. I want to put my combine on the table. Yeah, like, yeah, you, you'll definitely get. To, I want to play combine too because I have combine now, and I get to do take my first baby steps in Paradiso, which I feel is like thematically appropriate. There you go. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what's new in the world of. Um, World of CB. Um, there's definitely some stuff uh, new in other game systems too. I yeah, don't want you talk about that. So, I mean, there's you know, there's a million other games going on right now. There's a new General's Handbook for Age of Sigmar. Meh, who cares? What I care about, <laughs> <laughs> what I care about is uh, what we've got coming up with Blood Bowl. Um, so they, it looks like they pushed the Snotlings and pushed the Tree Man, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, this to me reeks of like a COVID release. Like, what can we throw together quick? That said, mm. I love everything about it. Um, so I'm playing Underworlds right now in our league and having a miserable time of it. Yeah. But them actually coming out with a, uh, a new Underworlds box, which is just the Skaven Sprue plus the Goblin Sprue. Um, but there's so much subtlety in this picture that, that we're not picking up right away. And that is that there's a Night Runner in that picture. And there's three uh, linemen because it uses the whole Skaven Sprue. Line rats, you mean. Line rats, yep. So there's a bit of a, a, a rumor and pretty well substantiated that they'll increase the the uh, availability of line rats in Underworlds, which would be great because they're a very helpful player when you're linemen or otherwise goblins. Uh, but most importantly, adding a Night Runner potentially to the roster would would change everything for Underworld. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm playing Vanilla Skaven right now in our league, and it's uh, pretty rad. You can get four of those guys. Like yep. even just even getting one of them in Underworlds would be such a boon. Yep. Um, and then, most importantly, most importantly, this human team 
They're the Old World Alliance. And why they really matter is because it's another way to play halflings. Um, <laughs> you've, got, you've got halflings, bigger halflings, and even bigger halflings on this beautiful halfling team. Um, I will probably throw a couple of halflings and a couple of dwarves into my human colors so that I can just throw this team on the table. Um, and I'm like, it sounds absolutely dirty. Um, just if looking at the box because you've got your half, you've got your human positionals, but being able to throw like dwarf block, dwarf blockers and a slayer into a halfling team or into a human team is just rude. So rude. I, I, yeah, I kind of, I want them to have ogres, for the sake of having, you know, four races represented in one team. Um, but I feel like, man, if they get ogres on top of all this, they're going to be um, they're going to be crazy on the table. But it just seems like a fun modeling project, if anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the, the Old World Alliance. But mostly looking forward to that guy right there, beautiful Night Runner. Please, please, please. <laughs> <Let me have it. laughs> That's so, right. <clears throat> all right. Yeah. I think that uh, I think that wraps up for the news. Yeah. Let's talk about hobby because this is something that you know in in the COVID times uh, we we allegedly have time to do. Yeah. Um, so so speaking of hobby, yeah. what I what finally came in the mail was my wet palette uh, from Ooh. Redgrass Games, and I've I've been using it today, totally not during work meetings, and it's pretty <laughs> fantastic. It's it's like the smoothest wet palette I've ever used. Uh, yeah, they're not yeah. a sponsor or anything, but yeah, I'm, I'm, and it did take like over a month to get here because of COVID, but Hey, I got it. I'm happy. Yeah. I backed them. I backed them when they were doing Kickstarter and I felt like an idiot for doing it. I yeah. was like, it's, it's a freaking wet palette. I have piles of wet palettes that I, I've got from the art supply store and they've always just, you know, right. whatever. Um, and, but I kickstarted it anyways. I got the, I got the, the studio one, the big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and seriously, like, it's legitimately an, an incredible product. Um, so if you're hearing that Redgrass Games, you want to sponsor us, um, <laughs> shoot Adam at the Dicevide.com uh, an email, and uh, we'll figure something out. Yep. <laughs> so, All right. Well, um, Eric, what have what have you been getting up to? I see I see a picture of uh, Alt Sculpt Al Hawa here. Yeah. Um, that is so. That's a kind of an older an older uh, little foray into green stuff that um, I've recently painted up and doing that has kind of showed me that maybe, maybe I can learn how to do this whole green stuff thing. So I've been um, kit bashing some authorized bounty hunters and green stuffing them and uh, yeah, just kind of having fun kind of like using the philosophy of I'm not going to learn how to do this unless I do it a little bit at a time. And, um, a, a big, a big milestone for me was realizing like literally just like do a tiny little piece, get that piece perfectly and then leave it for a day and come back to it again and just keep doing that for a very long period of time. Yeah. Having, having the patience to do a little bit and then wait is something that I've always struggled with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Clearly my, my best conversions are the ones that I did that on and I hated every minute of it. Like every minute that I wasn't. Yeah fidgeting with it drove me insane um have you seen obi's tutorials though i I didn't know he had tutorials i've definitely seen the finished products they're on youtube um he well he he has a twitch show i think at eight on mondays yep nehemiah 405 yeah nehemiah 405 it's on he's on twitch um and then uh i upload them to youtube for him whenever i remember (laughs) sorry obi (laughs) i forgot today i'll take care of it after (laughs) after the show um 
But yeah, yeah, I need to check that out. It's pretty good. It's a nice uh, Asmer sculpting experience. You'll gently whisper into your ear some happy thoughts. Asmer? Who says Asmer? It's ASMR. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard Asmir. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I didn't just make it the up. The word Asmir itself is a ASMR experience. <laughs> well, what about you, Adam? What have you been up to? So um, this is what my desk looked like until moments before this stream, and I had to push everything out of the way. Um, <laughs> I am I'm building lots of second edition orcs um, because I've decided that I still, I still love the 40k universe, but I, I loathe the game. Um, so I decided that I'm going to play 40k the way it was meant to be played, and that is second edition, which is you know Rogue Trader revised. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've got, man, I've got some commandos. I've got all the characters. Gazkal, you know, as a proper size, right there. Gazkal <laughs> Thraka. Yeah, exactly. With that, right. Oh, I, I, in my my crowning achievement, so artillery. I've got a bunch of bikes that I'm assembling. The old oh metal gosh. vehicles. It's so good. Some ogrens because ogrens used to be part of orcs. Um, really? Yeah. So yeah. I am using modern bases on them. Back in the day, all of the cavalry would have been on uh, 25 by 50 rectangular bases. The ogrens would have been on square, uh, and the vehicles wouldn't have been on bases at all. And and I like bases. Um, so I'm putting the characters on 32s to make them stand out a bit more. Um, sure. And then the oval bases for the cavalry. So new bases, but old minis. Love them all. But my, my favorite part of all of this, though, are the free Buddhas that I've assembled, which are the best orcs ever made, hands down. There's no discussion necessary. Um, the guy in the front with his big <laughs> hat and his massive power claw and his coat is the best orc model ever made. Uh, <laughs> Love this no, guy. no argument for me. Yeah, no, that's classic. Uh, second is the guy <laughs> yes. with the dreadnought feet and the shoulder pads. Love that guy. Um, oh yeah, look at that guy. Also, well, also freaking fantastic. But every single one of these orcs is so full of character. Um, this guy is probably my favorite of the regular guy. I call him Longshanks. He's just a tall, skinny orc. <laughs> <laughs> they all have like scars and bandanas and you know, so bow, much character, yeah. eye patches galore. They're just it's everything that works were meant to be. Uh, um, they're going to be fun to paint. So they're probably the first unit I'm actually going to complete painting. I don't want to paint all forty of the goth boys right away. Um, but well, you didn't you didn't enjoy the exercise of painting all your your U.S. Ariadna in one go? <laughs> nope, still don't like it. Still working on it. My fox trots are still sitting there staring at me. Um, but yeah, so I'm just yeah. super on these guys. I'm finally getting through my Jaguar Panzer fast though, so. <laughs> you mean boo <laughs> <laughs> yeah i never want to see it on the table um but that's fine you play combined now once you once you learn the glory of combined you'll never be going back to nomads i don't know nomads is pretty great we have so much access to um and, hacking. <laughs> and those are my favorite things especially now with the spotlight changes yeah <laughs> it's like it's like a running trope in this show now no, it seriously is like spotlight. Spotlight is the new best thing ever. Spotlight everything. Spotlight frequently. I like your friends. You know. Like, yeah. Right. Spotlight. Fantastic. But yeah, I I didn't get that much done in terms of hobby. Just picked up the uh, the uh, wet palette. Um, I did spend some time writing a script to launch Fumble from my Chromebook on my desktop, which like screen scrapes 
my user page and like uses cookies on the command line. It's great. It's fantastic. Only only nerds will care, and I'm very proud of it. But anyway, yeah. speaking of fumble, um, I was gonna say that script is is so much more powerful than just double clicking the thing. <laughs> yeah, it is because because I type one thing and it like logs into my desktop for me and then launches the game from my desktop and forwards the window to my laptop. Because my laptop is too potato to play. I have so at like one point in time, um, we like we like got a performance bet win or something at work, and they're like, "Here's a free laptop." And of course, it's like a potato laptop, and you're like, "All right, well, great. What am I gonna do with this now?" Like, it's so slow that when I write battle reports on it, I type a whole paragraph, right, and then I wait ten seconds, and then the paragraph appears. Wow. So and then I have so to go back and like fix all of my typos. So it's made me a better typist. So are you remote accessing your your desktop then? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's it's faster. <laughs> I mean, like, I could I could just walk upstairs and get my perfectly functional MacBook Air, but this this Chromebook has challenged me, and I will not, you know, deny that. <laughs> I will I will crush it in my mind, vise, as Jack Donaghy would say. I am glad that you. Uh... You've, you, you're finding something to make you happy, John. Right. That's right. <laughs> Glad for. Holy Spe- cow. Speaking of making me happy, I finally got back into uh, Blood Bowl uh, yeah. last two weeks thanks to a uh, new league we're playing where you have to play games because the rest of the league cannot progress without you. There so you go. Every, everybody has to play like one. We do like a round robin thing. I'm not sure how Adam set it up. But basically you have to play and then the whole the whole league her chunks into the next phase. Um, so I've gotten two games in with my Skaven, I guess three now against, I had one against Nate. Um, I think I I won two and then tied against Nate. It's been really fun. I like, you know, did all kinds of crazy nonsense against Britain. And then like, he like, he chucked a Noblar at one of my line rats and like knocked him out. Like all kinds of silly, silly shit has happened. And then like, I did it up like a two die against me block against one of Peter Franco's like trolls or something. And uh-huh. then got like double pow, and he was like, "What is this?" <laughs> and then like I, I like KO'd his, uh, I KO'd his uh, uh, fanatic. And now he's one less movement. And I just oh, rolled, uh, I just rolled double movement on, um, uh, rolled rolled uh, extra movement on one of my blitzers. So that's pretty oh, rad. That's a... Yeah, it's a good time. That's, I mean, people people totally dismiss the two die block uphill in yeah. Blitzel, but it it can work. You just have a high chance of going down if it's a guy that you're okay going down. Right. Like if wow. it's the last thing you're doing, yeah, not that big of a deal. Right. And then, um, did you play any Infinity? I did. I did. We played the first mission of Paradiso together. That uh, was a thing. Yeah, you can read all about it. Uh, basically, it's um, the first boss battle in a JRPG where you just get shit on. At least that was Adam's experience. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's it's absolutely that that first fight in in like you said in a JRPG. Where it's like, you know, you're you're level one. Now you're fighting against the end boss. You're going to lose to set up the story for why you need to go beat him later. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so to to give you an idea of how ridiculous this mission is, here is the deployment situation. At the top is Adam's deployment zone. He can deploy whatever the heck he wants in there, but he can't use infiltration or any like deployment skill. So he has to start in that. My deployment zone as the Toha is this 12 inch like thing, like stripe in the middle of the table, and I only get like an eight inch box on the side. That's it. And then I can put like infiltrators in the middle. Yeah. Win the win loss condition is if Adam gets one model off my side of the table, he wins. One. <laughs> it did not happen. <laughs> 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 
It did not fucking happen. I mean, we set up a pretty cool, pretty cool uh, table. I'd like to think, right? It's a really cool table. It just, so, yeah. yeah. Like, and well, the thing you didn't mention though is like the Ariadna has an extremely oh yeah 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 restricted list of options, and it's basically to represent like a small um, militia that has gathered together to fight off this new alien threat. Well, well, so uh, this is this is 177 years in the past. Yeah, or or whatever. How many years? However many years in the past, right? Yeah. So this is like the first ship that we sent out, like yeah, we exactly. humanity sent out. So like they don't have all the cool stuff. They have no antipodes because we haven't made it to dawn yet, right? Like yeah. it's literally just a bunch of like elite soldiers who just come out of like cryo sleep and are yeah. just like, I have rifle, I go kill thing, right? Yeah, mm, killing things didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, you killed some stuff. I I did kill some stuff, but but trying to like rush the line to get across the table when I'm facing down like quad total reaction or quad neurosmetic HMGs. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of six sense guys in suppression around corners. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was brutal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I took Janstar and I just put him in the back to like wander around back there and put mines down. Oh man. Just, it was just because yeah, it was a game. But regardless, like, that's the kind of the thing about narrative games. Like I don't feel bothered for losing. Like that was, it was a scenario designed for me to lose just like the scenario of the JRPG. Right. Like right. I didn't, I, I didn't quit yeah. like trigger the first time you get killed by Magus at the very yeah. beginning. I was like, Oh, well, poo on this game. Like, no, that's it happens in the first 15, 15 minutes. You're supposed to lose. It's part yeah. of the game. Um, it's, it's pretty brutal. <clears throat> the next it, mission should be really interesting. And, it makes uh, me, it makes me want my revenge. Right. Like, yeah, and you it's, will get your revenge in the next mission. Excellent. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. What about you, Eric? What have you been up to? Um, I have played one game of Tabletop Simulator and um, played Cap of Coffee for the first time versus White Banner playing against James. Um, really just a, like, let's try to remember how to play kind of game. So Sure, oh. yeah. <laughs> Uh, lots, a lot of fun though. I mean, I I left that game being like, I got to go buy some Drews and I want to play more Capucalki. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a good time. Um, rolling booty on that booty chart as I landed, uh, Yon Yon's on the table and that threw, feels so good, right? Yeah, rolled a uh, light grenade launcher on a guy who was yes. like facing the back arc of someone else and just started plinking shots at the guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Your BS9, right? Their yeah, BS9. exactly. You're like, exactly. take that. Good, I didn't good, do good. anything with them, but... <laughs> it felt good. It felt good. Yeah. It felt good. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was it was fun, too. We played with, like, as many uh, N4 rules as we knew, so... Oh, nice. nice. Doing a new crit mechanic, and that made the Azrael with a Fearbok very scary. Mm-hmm. Sitting on top of a couple cargo crates, prone, with a doctor nearby. Yeah. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah. So, is so you're you, a fan uh, of QK? Yes, I think I'm. I think I'm going to keep playing them. They felt like just enough like assassins, but weren't assassins. You know, they have like they have some of those pieces that I don't know. Um, I mean, Drews themselves actually feel like uh, kind of bumped up Muibs. So, uh, I think I think it's everything I need. <laughs> yeah. No, no heavy rocket launcher Muib, but I mean, they have an EM like yeah. grenade launcher. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. There's that. There's that. 
And yeah. I mean, I do really love the veteran on them too. That is very yes, nice. Yes, that's huge. There, there was a surprise jammer, and I was like, "Well, actually, that doesn't matter because the thing I'm like stomping down your throat are all veterans." So right, yeah, continue. It, it, <laughs> it delights me. Like when I'm playing my Morats, it delights me to no end when people are like, "I'm rushing up my mutts," and I'm like, yeah. "Oh, go for it! Spread yeah. your orders." Yeah, believe me, I've experienced that side of it too with the. Uh, <laughs> With a Yadu against Nate, very very disappointing experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially because they all have multi rifles. Yes. <laughs> no. For some reason, my brain just won't register it. I'm like, but it's a mutt. <laughs> yeah, I know. It turns oh. everything off. Exactly. I spent I once spent an entire like turn setting up an EM light grenade launcher shot on Isaac's bolt link, and I landed. <laughs> I landed it, and he was like, "I dodge." Yeah. And he like failed all his BTS saves, yeah. and I was, I was like, "Ha ha!" He's like, "All right, my turn." He started putting out regular orders. I was like, "What the? What are you doing?" He's like, "They're veteran." I'm like, "No." Yeah. I mean, you got their BTS too, which says something. Yeah. No, both. Well, both have BTS six. Still, so I mean, you're on, yeah. you know, sevens. Yeah. Oh man. That's. Nope. Yeah. Don't do that thing. Yeah. But no. So, uh, so Eric, are you gonna be playing? Maybe playing Drews, maybe playing QK, a little bit of both. You know, it's an interesting one just because, like I said, I'm I'm very much like just trying to remember what it's like to play Infinity. So sure, right. I'm kind of like following my heart right now. Uh, on the hobby sure. side, I'm just building things. And, you know, I'm like, I guess I'll just build some bounty hunters. And yeah. on the tabletop side, I'm kind of like QK or Drews, I guess, is kind of where my headspace is at the moment. But... I mean, I was just reading some of those battle reports that John was showing me, and uh, I don't know, made me want to play Assassins again. So, <laughs> if you we'll uh, if you go QK, do you think you're going to make yourself a uh, mobile brigada or an iguana? That is a great question. I've been wondering about the Aguasils too. I have spare Aguasils and brigada. If you want them. Oh, okay. All right, now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, okay, so I have to admit, I'm not. Agua Seals I get, you know, it's a 10-point 10, 10 order. That that makes sense sure. to me. Um, I think as far as the tag department goes, Scarface is all I really am looking at at the moment. Sure. And, I don't know, Mobo Brigada, I don't know, if I want to play a heavy infantry link, I've got other factions, so... It's, it's, it's well, a, you, you can't link them in QK. Oh, well, there you go, even... even uh, even more of an argument. I mean, if you if you uh, got a case for their use, I'm definitely open to hearing it. But I haven't played enough QK recently to really pick that apart. Is the short yeah. answer. I mean, maybe like one guy with a flamethrower. He's a little tough. I, there's that's there's the only, that's the only piece of equipment that I can see different between the mobile brigada and the janissary. Sure. Like otherwise, the janissary has higher whip. Same yep. profile, otherwise religious, religious instead of courage, which is kind of a wash. And the mobile regatta costs more. Yeah, you can throw a wild right. bill on the Janissary link. But yeah, yeah. the multi—I think it's a I tough sell. Really the multi, the multi light flamethrower is kind of a fun profile because there's no yeah. multiple. As right. as like a one man, I don't know. I feel like having that many points sitting around, you know, it seems seems iffy. But <laughs> I'm, I want to be open to it. I mean, I, I I could see a case if you were playing uh, an area control mission like the Mobile Brigada HMG would be pretty good, right? But a Janissary HMG is two points less and same stats. Well, right, but in an area control, you want those two points. Mm. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Contrived yeah. example. Yeah, <laughs> it's it is an example. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. It is an example, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, oh man. So I've actually also been playing a bit of the uh, a bit of the league as well with my underworlds. Um, and where John, you said you have two wins and a tie. Yes. Yeah. So I'm at I'm at two losses and a tie. Hey. Hey. It's like uh, we played each other three times. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, this is where I'm discovering the underworlds have well earned their reputation of being the most difficult team to play. Um, like, I can make halflings make sense to me and work, but when I'm mixing, like, goblins plus a single troll and no goblin weapons, but instead I get some skaven, but not the good skaven, and, um, it's, it's definitely interesting, but I think they're going to be a little bit crazy as they progress. Um, and I say that because... Take a goblin, right? Goblins are they're stunty, so they ignore tackle zones. Mm-hmm. Dodging on a three up as it is. Well, with one skill up, I can get two heads, which gives them plus one to dodge. So they're dodging on a two up with a reroll and do not suffer penalties for tackle zones. Then you can throw out something like big hand, which is plus one to catch and pick up balls. So I can have a guy just like on a two up with rerolls run between your guys, grab the ball and keep going. Right. So, so I, I think that the you know their whole thing is. They get access to mutations, so I think it's going to take some skill ups to to get those mutations to really see where they diverge from either being a bad Skaven team or a bad Goblin team. That's a fair but, assessment, I think. But yeah, I've been getting my ass kicked. Huh. Well, you um, also like had a bunch of them die right against Britain. Oh my god, that was that was Britain. That was the second game, and I had three dead Skaven, dead, dead, three dead. Well, I mean that. I mean you're you're playing three 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 guys down, right? That makes sense. So, yeah, so the second half of my last game against uh, PJ's Tomb Kings, yeah. I had I've got the when the second half started, I had five guys out. Yeah, so I was actually eight guys down from my usual roster. Sure, yeah. And PJ uh, PJ has been playing this for decades, so. <laughs> well, I, I have as well. Yes, uh, I used to play back in my GW days, um, and yeah, no. So going against a bunch of strength five guys with with a bunch of guys, goblins. Oh, it was. It was awful. It was awful. And then I had like two really solid scoring attempts. Right. But I had burned through all my rerolls because I was failing everything. I failed sure. I failed seventeen out of thirty one, three up with reroll dodge attempts. So there you go. <laughs> um, but man, so like I had a perfect opportunity to score and I rolled one for my animosity, didn't have any rerolls left. The Skaven would not give the goblin the ball. Um <laughs> And then twice in a row, my troll tried to eat the guy he was intended to throw. Um, fortunately, he squirmed away both times, but still. It was just like, nope, the, Nuffle has said, Nuffle has decreed, I do not get to win this game. <laughs> well, hopefully game four goes better. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going against uh, Obi's High Elves, which have a much better streak than me. They have three whole ties. Oh, so, man. Well, <laughs> we'll see if I can. He'll elf ball his way around you. We'll see what happens. He'll figure it out. So, wow. So with all that, shall we actually get on to what we're here to talk about? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about uh, Tempo. So yeah. uh, a couple, yeah, couple episodes we talked about where and when, right? So positioning. Uh, mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk specifically about when, so uh, pacing within the game. So, you know, when we say Tempo, it can mean a lot of things, right? Um, we're not talking about playing Captain Jack at 300 BPM, right? No, no, we're not. <laughs> we're talking specifically about the rate at which you spend resources to achieve a desired effect, right? So, fancy talk. What does that actually mean? 
yep. some illustrative examples, right? So if you think about your resources as like water behind a dam, right? How do you unleash that? Uh, do you mm. sort of like break the dam and, and the, like dump everything into your alpha strike, overextend a bunch of stuff, like take your big power piece, shove it down the table into, into your opponent's deployment zone, shoot a few things, and then lose it on, on your opponent's next turn? Um, do you sort of like apply constant pressure, right? So like you open like the sluice gate a little bit in the dam and just like continuously release like a, a constant stream of water and... Um, you know, just like keep your opponent under pressure the whole game. Don't really like have uh, any like big spikes. Just keep relentlessly pushing forward, right? Or um, you know, do you sort of like uh, adapt to where your opponent is, push where they're weak, and so on? Like, so how do you deal with obstacles, right? Are you flowing around them, or are you using like all of your resources to just like punch and break through the obstacle? Um, yeah, those are. I think there's some actually really good. Met- the water behind the dam, really good metaphor, and not just because it also mimics your logo with the. The water and the rocks for Merc's Recon. Which uh, Eric designed. Hey, look at that. <laughs> Full circle here, ladies Full and circle. Full circle. Um, and that's actually, there's actually a lot of interesting things there because, like, right in just those three statements, you've already been able to, like, define a lot of play styles that you see. Like, I, right. I know I know that I am the, the second one. I know that's how I play all games that I play. Um, I'm not a big alpha striker, typically, and I'm also not uh, usually bothered with objectives. <laughs> but right. uh, the, the, the constant niggling pain i feel like um yeah no i think that that sums it up nicely so no this is great i just want to point out like i think that just those three points alone um and understanding that in context and metaphor can give people a lot by itself yeah i mean uh for another way to think about it is if you're um you're like running a race right so so like uh water is a good like visual metaphor for um like what happens right so you can think of like your troops as water like pushing across the board just like spatially right do you like sure. push them all out really far really fast do you sort of advance a t- like a slow wave or do you like flow around all the various buildings and like arrows and just sort of get into the nooks and crannies right like how do you approach the table physically but the other thing is like how do you do it mentally right how do you expend resources both your decision fatigue level, right? How do you manage that mental resource? Mm-hmm. So you think about it like running a race. Do you burn yourself out early, like really go into the tank at the beginning, try to figure everything out? Or do you hold some resources back, right? Are you leveraging, are you like waiting till turn three to reveal that Tio Ninja, right? Are you holding something back to like, be able to sprint past the other the other guy uh, to cross the finish line or something like that? I think that, I think I've heard that saying before. That the only way to win a race is to not run, right? Isn't that how it goes? I'm not a runner. So slow and steady. <laughs> I, I, I am a runner. I've never slow and steady that. wins the race. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. It's, it's about, it's about holding, it, like, it's about seeing the finish line and seeing all the people with their hands up to give you a high five as you, like, as you, like, as you burn in, right? So you just, you just have to have that like one last <laughs> bit of like nas in the tank to like downshift and slam the accelerator and like blow through a bunch of runners. Like that's, it's tough to manage that, and that's usually when you puke. So your metaphor just sounded like running over people. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's not what I meant. I can't but... say I've, I've, I've not run very many races, so I'm going to have uh, to defer to the expert on this. And apparently, Nas and running over runners is part of it. Um, <laughs> <I guess. laughs> it's not. Like, you've not convinced me to run a race any more than I thought you were ready to. But, but I might watch one now. <laughs> yeah, the, the ending is exciting. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. 
it's maybe a good metaphor though for playing towards that like final you know final push towards the objective or whatever it is yeah, yeah. Uh, right. you know if you burn yourself out too quickly then um you know it, if you don't make it to the finish line then all that effort in the beginning to kind of count amounts to nothing yeah it's kind of it's kind of the hail mary at the end um which i am which i think i am i, I very much enjoy doing um yeah. But I think with my, my new uh, my new sports ball experience and fumble, I'm just going to replace Hail Mary throw with the with the throw teammate attempt. Um, yeah, yep. and hope the troll doesn't eat him. Like that's about where. <laughs> like I understand that metaphor much more clearly now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, like one of the hard things to do is um, so you can talk about like water and running and like all this stuff, but how do you know when you're doing the thing? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Right. Um, so it's easy to know when you're doing it right because everything is going well, right? You're like, okay, I feel in control of the game. Um, I feel like I'm anticipating what my opponent's going to do. I'm not reacting to them. I know what they're going to do. I'm encouraging them to do certain things, right? I'm like presenting a threat. And I'm like, if you don't answer this threat, then you're going to be in trouble, right? Like I leave McMurrow eight inches outside of your deployment zone and I pass turn. Like, are you going to leave him there? You have to deal with him, right? You can't just let me have him there. Um, so it's really easy to know when things are going well. It's very difficult to to make it happen uh, without it just sort of happening organically, right? So mm-hmm. it takes um, a lot of planning. It's super easy to like get distracted from your plan, right? Okay. Um, and you always have to like zoom out to the thirty thousand foot view and break out of a local optima, right? So it's, like part of the reason why I think a lot of people are attracted to infinity is it's a puzzle, right? So you have all these like very intelligent, careful. Um, people who who like that aspect of infinity and they tend to do things like okay the puzzle is kill that ARO piece I'm going to figure out a way to like set up smoke use MSV2 white noise and no MSV like something right and then they do it but then was that actually the thing you needed to do Mm. or was it just like a fun aspect of the puzzle that you just like pulled at Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah. And, and perhaps a desirable aspect of the puzzle. You know, I think that the that there's something to be said for the fact that that like gunfight is, you know, maybe the most like can pull your attention the most, but mm-hmm. is maybe not what should be pulling your attention. I mean, you get a dopamine hit, right? You're like, I won, yeah, I won exactly. the face to face roll. The, the number came up, right? It was my number, right? It does all the things that, you know, gamblers fall to, right? So, I rolled all the dice. Yeah, I did it. I did the thing. Um, but yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, that's a really big trap. We talked about that a little bit last time too, though, where, um, you know, talk about like the idea that you, you feel like you should go for it. Right. You you know, you, you, you go for it at the wrong time, right. You pull yourself out of position, you overcommit, you've spent your resources on the wrong thing at the wrong time. And now everything is messed up. Yeah. And then, and then it's like a slap in the face too, right? You're like, I'm going to go kill this Kamau sniper. Um, my linked HMG didn't work. Well, I'll use my linked shock marksman rifle. Yeah. Now. Oh, that didn't work either. I guess I'll use my linked combi. Deeper, yeah. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's like the story of every game I lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. I need to ki- I need to kill that thing. So here's like the 75 orders I'm going to spend to kill that thing because it's going to you know I'm going to miss a few times. It'll right. kill my first guy doing it, and then like what ends up happening is I, I lose all of my options to kill it, and then I figure out the way to work around it. And yes. So, yeah, and and to talk about tempo too, a part of that is like if you see that thing that needs to die, turn one, and then you go, okay, this is the best thing to kill it, and then you bring that thing in to bear, you attack it, and then you lose that dice roll. Then your whole game is sort of like 
you know, the tempo of that game has immediately fallen on its face. You know, you started yeah. the race and you tripped because right. because you put you put it all into this like, well, my best thing will fight your best thing, and now what? Yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that can come from kind of talking about your a uh, little bit with planning um, that you talked about, John. Like mm-hmm. you can you can totally plan wrong. Yes, you know? um, yes you can. I, don't think, I don't know if it comes up in any of your your examples, um, but. Like, I've definitely been like, okay, I'm playing my USA with my Katyusha. I need to forward observe things so I can Katyusha them, because that's what I wanted to do. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I spend all of my orders trying to forward observe something. I don't have any orders up to Katyusha things, anything meaningful. And I have done absolutely nothing on the first turn uh, yeah. of any, you know, any value. Uh, yeah, that'll come up in the battle report, uh, Imperial Fun Police, that we'll look at in a little bit. Sorry, Eric, go ahead. <laughs> No, I just I, I think that, that we're going to see a bit of that when me and James were playing. You know, the whole spotlight is the is an ARO now. It was like, yeah. okay, so spotlight's the right answer to everything, right? Oh yeah, clearly <laughs> you spotlight all the things. Exactly, it is, it is the only ARO you should take. Really, yeah, exactly. you, you come out of TO camo to spotlight things. That's that's yeah. how you do it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like TO camo, like you paid for that so you could be in position to spotlight something. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like the scariest thing is it's gonna make people really care a lot more about those like FO dep rep profiles. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute, I've got a deployable repeater here? I can spotlight stuff around my guy who's a port observer now? Yeah. Yes. I yeah. could double target him. That that's a thing, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna port observe you and spotlight you. It's gonna be so At good. At the same time. Yeah. Oh man, or you've got the you've got the um that uh, the hacker LGL profile, right? Like, oh yeah, the Acontasimento one with fast panda. Yeah, so she cannot get over. Corner, like she can fast panda something sixteen inches away, walk yep. away, and start LGLing it. Yep, that's how it works. That's, that's how you do. <laughs> oh man, well, I guess I guess the sort of thing we've been dancing around is uh, just a reminder that keeping tempo and exerting pressure on your opponent's tempo is not just about raw aggression, right? Sure. It has to be focused, and you also have to like read ahead, right? So part of the thing is, um, like, there's, there's two aspects to this. One is, um, I'm going to go after this ARO piece. I kill it, now what, right? Mm-hmm. So you can sort of look down that path, but then you have to also look down the divergent path of, well, what happens if I lose my big attack piece? How am I going to recover? Am I going to trip at the beginning of the race and fall flat on my face, or do I have a backup plan? Um, and if, even if you just investigate those two branches alone, right, the, the second one prepares you for failure, which is something you should always be planning for in Infinity because it's a dice game, right? And the first one prepares you for saying, like, is this worth it? Yep. And there's a hidden third branch, which we'll talk about as well, which is um, how many orders will this take? Sure, sure. And That's... We'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about that in detail. I have, I have numbers to back this up, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, reverse engineering that is what's funny is, like, I, I, I do it. I feel like I do it all the time. And I also see other people do it. Yeah. So what, what I also often end up doing is like I reverse engineer victory. And you're like, okay, it's going to take me eight orders to win, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that gives me two extra orders to do whatever I want with. But then any of those eight orders that don't go well, I spent the orders elsewhere. Right. Means mm-hmm. like, wow. like, oh, cool. I only need six orders to win. Like, unless I fail the uh, whip roll, mm-hmm. um, then I need another order. <laughs> why, <laughs> why did I go kill that guy? Yeah. I, I failed the I failed the whip roll on plus three whip and two dice. What the hell happened? Oh jeez. Oh, that's real bad. Um, so it's it's kind of difficult to talk about this out of context sure. because um, you know we can we can sort of like 
come up with all these contrived examples. Like, what if there's a Kamau sniper at 33 inches? What do you do, right? Well, let's talk about some real games. And part of the reason why we have Eric on, in addition to him being awesome, is that uh, I played a lot of games against Eric, and most of the games that I play against Eric are um, really stark examples of how much of a better Infinity player than I am he is. Uh, like, like, definitely not. <laughs> well i mean like so like but like the th- i i feel like the games that i win against you um like are just a snowball thing right like i feel like i'm in control something doesn't go your way then something else doesn't go your way and then i pile on and then i win right mm-hmm. the games i lose against you are just you being extremely consistent and objective focused and ignoring my attempts to disrupt your tempo Right, and you just like continue. You're like, okay, well, my lieutenant's dead, my link is dead, but I have a Farzan, and my <laughs> Farzan can push buttons. And then you went, and then like I'm like, your whole thing is dead. I win. And then you're like, but I pushed all the buttons, John. And I'm like, but thing. <laughs> but I but I killed like half your stuff on the first turn. Why aren't you dead? Right. So um, I think it's a really good example, and I, and this is part of the reason why I wanted you on for this particular particular episode. So let's talk about um, a recent game we had, and I think this is um it's called the the Verd is the Word. Please forgive my horrible Family Guy joke. Um, and it, it carries on through the entire battle because that's what I was feeling at the moment. Um, but uh, let's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's a game of supplies. Um, you can watch the whole thing if you want. It's on YouTube. Um, but basically, uh, this is a game of Dashat versus Varuna. And I'll, we'll sort of gloss over most of the details because we're gonna we got a bunch of battle reports to get through, and I don't want to be here for the next five hours. Um, but these are the lists. Uh, we both played uh, limited insertion lists, and um, Eric took the Kamau sniper in a link, which is what you're supposed to do in Runa, right? And I took a million uh, Zuyang HMGs because that's what you're supposed to do in shot, right? Supposed to do, quote unquote. Um, and so the I think you can learn most about what the game. Uh, how the game went just by looking at the uh, at the deployment. So here's my deployment. I have my big Zuyang blob in the middle, and Eric's got his Kamau MSR in the top left. Um, and basically that commands effectively all three supply consoles that one Kamau. And uh, I do have access um, to smoke thanks to my 112 biker, right? But the Kamau really doesn't care at all. So I have to deal with it. And basically what ends up happening is uh, just by existing, the Kamau puts me at a tempo disadvantage, right? If I want to move anywhere, I have to expend resources to achieve my aim, right? Which is what tempo is all about. And Eric doesn't have to spend anything on the, on the Kamau at all. He, it just exists. It's there. And I have to deal with it. And he can spend his entire turn not moving the Kamau at all, just leaving the link there and using all of his other pieces to go do stuff. Um, so, I mean, and the other thing that Eric did was really smart was he picked a bunch of tempo uh, maintaining pieces, right? So things like Zulu Cobra, they start, um, uh, they start further up. Uh, he chose a bunch of Crocman. They also start further up. They have camo state, uh, sorry, token states. So they can, uh, they can basically ignore my arrows by walking through, right? So that preserves his resources. And um, so, I mean, as far as the way the game went, uh, I went first and I alpha struck really hard. Uh, because basically I was like, well, I have a Hunzakut LGL. I held it in reserve. Uh, I'm, I knew he was going to have a Kamau, and I was like, I will solve the Kamau problem with a, with a spec-fired grenade. That seems good, right? Yeah. It took, like, most of my first turn. I didn't land any grenades. Uh, and then as I was shooting grenades, Eric was like, I'm going to reveal my Zulu Cobra Lieutenant. And this is a great example of me being like, ooh, shiny, right? <laughs> and I was like, well, the correct thing to do is shoot Eric's Lieutenant, 
right? But what I really should do is ignore the lieutenant and go get the box. And I didn't do that, right? And so I, Eric starts the turn, his, his turn in loss of lieutenant, but it doesn't matter because his, his Grokman are right next to the boxes. He just grabs them and walks away with the box. Um, and shiny, I think, though. sorry, shiny, you can kill his lieutenant. I know it was right there. It was right there. I mean, look at this. I mean, like it was, it was so easy. It's, it's just asking for it. Look at that. Look at the way he's dressed. I know. <laughs> That's just the way it is. It, um, but I, I want to talk about, uh, one moment in the game where, uh, so this is the moment here where his, his croc man goes and grabs this box at the bottom of one. And now Eric is in loss of lieutenant, So he, he doesn't have very many orders to spend on each individual unit. Um, and he grabs the box and just sort of parks his, his parks his um, Crocman there. But this is what separates uh, Eric from I think a lot of other Infinity players is that he spent a command token to move the Zulu, uh, sorry to move the Crocman away, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean like that's that's a, that's a serious research expenditure. That's twenty five percent of your command token resources. Yeah. Right? Like why did you do that? And the answer is like <laughs> you know to speak to put Eric words in Eric's mouth is is, is because you know you want to preserve the tempo. Mm-hmm. Right. It's interesting because um, you know we started this conversation by talking about um, Adam. You were talking about how you 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 go okay. It's going to take eight orders to accomplish the objective. So I have these other orders, and these are just for doing the fun things. And I almost feel like to me, I'm I'm like if when at all possible, flip the order over and say, okay, well this is the thing I have to accomplish. So I will spend as many orders as I have to to accomplish that. And then at the end of that, if anything's left, then I will kill things that need to be killed. Sure. Yeah, I should probably do it that order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So basically what happens after this is uh, that that was like my one moment. Like his crockman is still exposed. I can still get to it. I still have to fight the Kamau to get there. But what ends up happening is I spend, like at some point, like you needed to get, stuff out of the way so the crockman could retreat safely because I had some arrows watching him or something like that. And you reveal a Zulu Cobra Spitfire with its own order to like take out some some arrow, right? Like whatever, it's fine. Um, but what that did to me was like, okay, now there's a threat. I have to respond to it, right? So again, you're leading me around by the nose. You're like, you can't go get my crockman until you deal with the well, you deal with the Kamau and you deal with the Zulu Cobra Spitfire. You have to do it, otherwise you're going to lose your piece. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to preserve my resources. So then I, I move this this giant Zuyang blob Death Star around. I shoot the Zulu Cobra Spitfire. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to walk halfway across the midfield, and then now I'm going to engage the Kamau, and then I'm going to go get the the, the crack man, right? And I'm like, okay, this sounds good. I'm a linked HMG. That should kill anything, right? And the Kamau's like, no, no, no. I'm going to crit you, and then I'm going to crit you again, and then I'm going to wait, wait until you pick up your guy with the doctor, and then I'm going to crit you again. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess there goes my turn. And then the zoo, and then the crockman just like walks off to the other side of the table, and I, it's gone forever, right? That was the moment that I had to just go hunt down the crockman. And mm. when I didn't do that, uh, it it was over. That, like, there was no hope of winning the game at that point. And then the rest of the game is not super um, relevant. There's a bunch of like we had a couple of extra special rules involved. And then, uh, but basically, after this whole series of events happened, uh, all Eric had to do was just keep me from getting a second box. And then, like, even from getting my classified, and he already had a positional advantage, um, and it was it was pretty much over. Even though I put him in loss of lieutenant on the first turn, um, and I think I think this is a really good example of like a really good first example because uh, most of my active pieces were in this one blob, right? So that one blob represents like my agency and like my manifest will on the tabletop, right? Mm-hmm. So we can only be in one place at a time. You can only focus on one thing at a time. Right, I don't have like area coverage, so like what Eric makes the link do, he's making me do by proxy. 
Interesting. So, so with this scenario in particular, because this is supplies and kind of everything you're talking about is happening in turn one. Right. Uh, I'm a little bit curious how what he was able to do to set up the rest of the game to ensure that you don't take the take the boxes back. So basically, what ended up happening was he. I think he mined one of the boxes. Right, so it was really yeah, hard for me to get to. Yeah, one of the Crocman was a uh, mine layer. So right. he's he's sitting next to one of the boxes. His mine's next to the box. Yeah, here it is right here. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, there's a mine sitting there. Uh, he he killed... I had set up... I had very few specialists in good positions because this is a table with high verticality. Uh-huh. So the specialist that I had to go after that box was Valeria, and the Zulu Cobra Spitfire killed her. So not only did he remove an ARO, he killed the specialist that was in position to go after that box. I see. And then the box that Miranda was going to go after, he absconded with with that croc man that we've been talking about. I did yeah. get the third box with my Hulan, right? Okay. So he wasn't able to prevent me from doing that. Um, and then basically it was a tie game at that point. Then all Eric had to do was prevent me from securing the HVT. And the way he did that was um, by, I killed his Zulu Cover Lieutenant. He just went and picked him up and then assault pistoled everything down. Okay. It, it is an interesting one, though, because I think that um, it is interesting, all these games we have where I'm like, objective, 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 it's still by just the skin of my teeth, you know, um, if you look at that score, one to zero, it's still very much like a dice roller two goes the wrong direction, you know? Yeah, it's true. Um, but I, I think... That's as low scoring of the victories you can get. It's, it's, it's a weird score. It felt very tight. I will say that <laughs> it's it's a weird score because we had uh, the possibility of getting negative points. This was this was the test game for the civilian crowds. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Right. So if you if if you shoot into a crowd of civilians, which is perhaps not the best thing to be discussing at this t- moment in time, um, you can get negative points. <laughs> so I see. Right. So that was that was uh, that was one of the the things that happened. That did not um, end up. Affecting the game though, or did it? It it did not because we both got the same amount of negative points. I see. So effectively, it just reduced our score by equal amounts. That's all. I see. It okay. would have mattered in a tournament, but for the purposes of this, it doesn't. Sure. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's basically the uh, the the long and the short of it. There. Um, yeah. I don't know, Eric. Do you have any other comments on on our game? Well, um, I do. I think that looking through all of these, and uh, maybe I'm jumping the gun, but by looking through all of these um, these reports, there there is that sort of like common theme where it does it does kind of roll down to it does come to dice rolls at some point. You know, you've got the you've got the heavy rocket launcher guy that you hate who right. won't, yeah. who won't die. There's there's the Kamau, and there's there's definitely little um, at a very large level. There's it's still coming in at the skin of the teeth. It's still coming down to those dice rolls. So um, that is, from my perspective, trying to grow as an Infinity player, the thing that it's still hard for me to get it past the skin of my teeth. You know, it's hard for me to get it to the place where I'm like, oh, I've definitely got this secured. It's still, I'm still relying on uh, a getting a lucky Kamal in there or getting a lucky heavy rocket launcher guy. So Yeah, that's true. I mean, this would have been a very different game if I landed that first grenade shot. Exactly, exactly. And I think that, it, I mean, that was me kind of reviewing all of these battle reports that we're looking at here. I did kind of feel like there was a consistent theme of moments like that where, um, and granted, I do think that, I mean, my play style is very much like, okay, well, that that's gone. So time to kind of like problem solve the next, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who, who's going to fix this problem now? Um, so whether I would have found another solution there is maybe neither here nor there, but I do think all of these battle reports are interesting for that reason, because there is that, like, 
element of, well, that Kamau got pretty lucky that he kept dodging those. And and there is some, I think also uh, further on in some of these, I don't want to jump too, too far ahead, but uh, there is another example of a Kamau who is, I think that's a very table-dependent kind of right. <clears throat> part of it as well. Yeah. And I, I want to touch on that point that you just mentioned, right? Where you lose a bunch of stuff and you have to problem solve with the pieces at hand. That's something that, like, I feel like I'm most in control of a game when I'm limited on my options, mm, right? Like, yes. I feel the sharpest yeah. and, like, like the, the most, uh, I have the most agency. And I think, I think Adam, yeah. you would be the, the yeah, same there. Absolutely. Yeah, and to some extent, sorry. No, I was just saying, I, I like a system of constraints. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's what I do as a designer, right? Like, yeah. Eric, yeah, like this is you're also right. So like this is you you give me the restrictions and then I give you mm -hmm. the solution. Yeah, that's true. It fits those uh, fits those requirements. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And some some I mean I I also joked to John I was like oh this is kind of like my highlight reel. These are like the best of the <coughs> best, you know. Um, and a lot of them I'm like playing in loss of lieutenant and I kind of like was laughing because I was like to some extent that's where I'm the most comfortable is when I'm in loss of lieutenant because then I think that playing to the objective to some extent for me like keeping in mind like well i have to go get the box that's kind of what it comes down to is a question of mental load and right. um, so the thing about being in loss of lieutenant is that whether i'm going to succeed or not the mental load is now much lower each person can achieve one thing potentially two things three things depending upon how many command tokens i'm willing to spend so then the real question really becomes that croc man needs to get as far down this bridge as he can right you don't need to think you don't need to think five orders in advance on a piece exactly exactly all right, so what you're saying is I should kill your lieutenant, and then I'll win. That's what you, John. Yeah, what I'm saying is you're playing right into my hand. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think to put it succinctly, like you said, John, that this is, regarding tempo, like, this is a game that Eric played very consistently, mm -hmm. at a very even pace throughout the entire game. He didn't rush out and get all the consoles, all the uh, objectives in turn one or try to, which would have, you know, led probably led to some bad arrows and things like that. Like he he put he put consistent pressure on through the entire game while you were trying to like go for it all. Right. Yeah. I got I got unfocused. My plan this, this my plan wasn't good. Right. My plan wasn't well, good. I stuck to the plan. I mean, one thing, one interesting thought experiment though is what if the first grenade had killed that Kamau? And then it's interesting to kind of think about how this would play out because. Um, Tentatively, I would say that I probably would have done the same things, or at least attempted to, because the rest of the plan was Crocman go grab the box, right? Crocman right. and Zulu Cobra go grab the box. Like the plan isn't super complicated, but the thing that kind of made it all fall together, and this is where that like skin of my teeth part of this comes out, is the thing that makes it all fall together is the fact that the Kamau holds holds her position, you know, and that's right. that is that is an element of luck where. The same thing where I stood up the Zulu Cobra Spitfire, and now she's an obstacle you have to get through. Right. But the more, and this is kind of a question of like, you know, resource expenditure. But the more, the more orders that that one person can absorb, the more orders that this mm -hmm. one person can absorb, it's kind of this like accumulating effect throughout the game where it's like if I'm kind of putting like if this is a dam, if you're a dam, you know, that's trying to burst, I'm like putting up like a couple logs like here and there, like. Just right. to try to like sustain that burst for as long as possible, so that I can get out of the way. But I mean, that's also a great metaphor because you're also using those logs to direct the stream of the water, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you pushed me towards the Zulu Corpus Spitfire, and away from the Crocman. Mm -hmm. You pushed me towards the Kamau and away from the Crocman, which is the thing I sure. should go after, right? So that's a great example. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess if you want to take the the uh, the loss of lieutenant thing and turn it up to eleven, there's this game, which is <laughs> which is Imperial Fun Police, where, which Eric won after being in Loss of Lieutenant twice. <laughs> what? It's a miracle I won this game, to be clear. <laughs> right. So so this is a game of Power Pack that I played. This is, so um, this is another is an example of like a bad plan, right? I think this is my first game ever with Imperial Service, um, and I was just like, I want to try all the things. So I was like. Three TR bots, that's the thing to do. And, you know, I, I thought about this specifically, right? This The three TR bots is kind of like the Kamau, right? You're like, okay, I'm dictating the tempo because there's three freaking TR bots on the table and you have to deal with them or you can't go anywhere. But then, um, of course, what's up? Can I point out really quick? Yeah. That if you got rid of the thing at the top that said Imperial Service, yeah. there's no way that looking at this list I'd have any idea that this was Imperial Service. <laughs> there's a duo in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just wanted to point that out. I'm like, the Imperial Service, really? <laughs> There's a Zhang Ying, I guess. Well, that's a funny point, too, because uh, when John and I rolled up to the table, he was like, I'm playing Imperial Service. And I was like, expecting all the, you know, the typical cast of characters. And then he puts down his list. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> this is nonsense on the face. Yeah. This doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> it makes total sense to me. <laughs> well, maybe yeah. we could, I mean, I, I uh, well, since you guys made this comment, I'll, I'll touch on this really briefly. Um, Zanyang Lieutenant is there to uh, throw Nimbus grenades for Luna, which never happened. I love the Kini paramedics because who doesn't want a six-four mimetism, you know, specialist? And then I just love this um, this duo, uh, Bounty Hunter Red Fury and Miranda, right? Yeah. Like a gun and a specialist who with ODD, like who doesn't want that? And the rest is just like good good stuff yeah and he um, rolled a grenade launcher so i rolled a grenade launcher on my <laughs> bounty hunter and both of my csu rolled eight four move which is my favorite medicam roll oh so good uh eric took uh, awesome. the <laughs> we heavy rocket launcher who is the bane of my existence <laughs> it um, took basically yeah john's favorite composition of uh assassins yeah, yeah pretty much and and uh and two fides um Muyibs, Muyibs do not get enough respect, man. They really they, don't. Like, that's that's my favorite Drews, team, yeah. Yeah, them and Drews to me are like absolute terrifying links, and people are just like, uh, a link of what? what <laughs> Assassins? That just means you have like five fides, right? Like, I don't know what else is in there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this. I think this is pretty telling too, right? So if you look at Eric's, like just, just the amount of red, the red is pretty evenly distributed throughout the whole table. Sure. The blue, yeah. on the other hand, is clustered on the sides, right? Yeah. So I'm already at a disadvantage there. Um, but anyway, like uh, I think I think one of the things that I really want to touch on is a, it was a real stroke of brilliance on Eric's part. So this was I think back in ITS 10 when Xenotech and Power Pack was still a thing, right? Yep. And that was a, like the Xenotech uh, was a tempo tax effectively. Right, because you had yes. to spend at least two orders. Yeah. You had to like spend one order to get them out of the deployment zone, and then spend another like pooping out the multi scanner or whatever the heck it was called. Right, and then there was like an actual pretty significant points win because there were like negative points involved if you didn't do it in some cases. Um, so what I was doing, which I thought was a brilliant move, and I really I, I still think is great, is syncing the Xenotech to the Warcore because like what is the Warcore going to do other than flashball stuff? And the irregular order is kind of wasted, right? So why not just spend the irregular order like moving the Xenotech around and doing stuff with them? Um, right. So I plunked down my Warcore and I'm like ha 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 I'm like I'm so clever and then Eric's like boop the day I'm like God damn it. <laughs> but I mean this is a brilliant move no matter yeah no matter what what you do, right? So even if Eric's going second, 
right? If I try to move the Xenotech around, you're just going to shotgun my Vorkor. If you go first, you can shotgun my Vorkor, <laughs> right? That's yeah. basically what it boils down to. Uh -huh. And it's and now it's even worse because now I have to get a guy into base to base with the Xenotech, sync them, and then and then do the Xenotech thing, which is at least two orders. So it's three orders now. And I'm down in order because you killed the Warcore. So it's a, basically you've doubled the tax on me from two to four orders, at least, assuming I have a guy in, in, in four, within four inches. Probably not, right? I put the Warcore over there by herself just to do the thing. I'm not going to like have somebody babysitting, right? So that, I think that was a really brilliant move. Um, it really, really uh, was, was very smart. And, and you, know, I, I, you know, in my defense, I was focusing on like trying out this weirdo list and trying fun stuff. So I got really <laughs> focused on that. Um, but I mean, this is an example of what not to do, right? Mm. Um, so it wasn't a good example I think I, I think that that was starting to become a common strategy is attach attach the Xenotech to the Warcore and so it was starting to be something that I was starting to think about quite a bit was like well that that represents points and a Fidea sure. at its best is helping you win so right right and this goes back to the um, the Kamau just being free tempo uh, uh, improvement mm. right that's actually, I think, something worth talking a little bit more about. Is yeah. that um, the TR bots exactly like you said? They're they're free tools to dictate tempo. There's a lot of things like that in the game, right? Uh, other than just TR bots, but like even like midfield mine layers. Sure. They are things that are going to slow your opponent down. Mm -hmm. Things that they have to respond to. Um, you know, we again we talked about this a bit with positioning, but the an unrevealed impersonator. Yep. Right, like yeah. any of these tools that you're using to dictate what your opponent is going to accomplish in their turn, even if it's not, you know, so to say, setting your own tempo, you are disrupting theirs. Right. And I think disrupting theirs is as important of a tool, if not more, potentially than than maintaining your own. Right. So I mean, like, let's let's take a look at uh, how Eric disrupted my tempo. I, and I, I don't know if you meant to do this intentionally, but let's talk about it, right? So, <laughs> I think I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> so so basically, what happened was um, uh, Eric basically uh, spends his whole first turn doing his his Xenotech thing because that's the right thing to do. You want to get it out of the way in case I go and assassinate your Xenotech synced person, right? Um, and then what you ended up doing was you're like, okay, well, I have these Muyibs, they're great. I've got a Spitfire in there. I want to advance into Spitfire range bands. I'm going to push my whole link up right next to your Bounty Hunter with LGL. Mm -hmm. And they're conveniently located in a way that I can template four members of the link, right? And so here I am at the beginning of my first turn, and um, I've got an LGL, a BS12 LGL within 16 inches of a link where I can hit four members. And a Muyib link is a real threat. Right? Yeah, do the thing. I should do the thing, right? So, in fact, Ooh. I did the thing. I spent a bunch of orders on it. Uh, I, I like. I basically spent my whole turn dealing with this movie of Link. I dropped a grenade on them, broke the Link, killed some guys, TR botted another guy, and then I was like really excited. I was like, I'm gonna make use of this. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like try to uh, do some uh, button pushing with Dakini, and then I'm going to send in this 8-4 CSU, which is super movement efficient, right? I moved 12 inches in one order. Uh, come around the corner and assassinate. I think this is how I assassinated um, your lieutenant, right? I shotgunned. I shotgunned. Um, <laughs> it was a firefight, yeah. It was yeah, a, I mean, it was like, the whole thing. Yeah, right? Like, so I, I, I just <laughs> dive the CSU in there. I'm like blasting everything, right? Um, and I kill your lieutenant. But what did it actually do, right? The Muyib link is entirely expendable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually do anything for you in Power Pack. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. only thing you need to do in Power Pack to win is push two buttons and secure the console, right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. it. 
And guess what you have next to all the buttons? Far Zen Ford Observers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because so I first first I don't want to take credit because um, <laughs> if this is a great case of uh, as a of a succeeding um, as I fall down. <laughs> um, the, so I mentioned in the beginning that your list threw me off, and it was kind of like a little bit of uh, my brain was struggling to like batch the priorities given the, that fact. But the funny thing that throwing these guys... So the Muib link is in this list to go murder people so that then everybody else can do the, the rest of the thing. And the funny thing that this revealed is that I didn't actually even need the Muib link. They were actually just sort of there. So when they right. went up and, mur and you know, I just kind of threw them into the meat grinder and then they got meat grindered and I was like, well, crap, that's my lieutenant. I'm, you know... But then the thing I started to realize is, well, actually, everybody... Again, you know, now it's very simple. I'm in loss of lieutenant. Everybody just does the job that they're there to do. It's funny you mention that. Like, I feel like people complain about that all the time. Like, I took this unit and ran it up to go kill some things, and then it died. <laughs> so you used it for what it's supposed to do, and then they did what they were supposed to do back to it. Right. Like, it's... But I do have to admit, I very much forgot you had a light grenade launcher there. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I was like, because that was like, you know, come get me, except then you just started raining grenades on me. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, I mean, like, look at this, right? Like, in any other situation, I would be in great position here. Because, like, look at all these unconscious tokens. There's there's four unconscious Muyibs, right? Or, I mean, I think there's a mutton there, right? There's a bunch of unconscious stuff, and then I'm shotgunning the last two Muyibs, right? So I've killed your lieutenant. Your whole link is gone. I've killed a mutt too, right? And like that's the correct thing to do against assassins. Don't give them any mutts, right? So I like <laughs> exactly. this picture right here. That's the reason I like mutts because yeah. they make people feel that way. Yeah, like like this picture right here says I've won the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Like like pew pewed all the mans. Yeah, there's five orders gone. Your lieutenant's gone. So really six orders gone. I win. But of course that's not the case because I mean this is the picture that we need to look at. Right. The power of tempo. Yeah, I mean, like everything is in the middle, and so basically, that's that's really what what it boils down to is uh like this this one picture here, right? Eric went and did the thing, and that's that's what cost me the game. It's, it's like cool. You you keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because if you think about it, that that whole you know that whole exchange there is a lot of energy that you're spending. Yep. That you're not spending securing the objective. And at that point, I was already a little bit ahead because I had done the whole war for a thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. It, it didn't, it didn't, it took me to, I think the bottom of two to go fix the war core, like and situation and get my own Xenotech off. Mm. Right. That's, that's, that's pretty expensive because not only am I not doing it at the top of one where I have the most resources. Now I, I have a degraded order pool in the bottom of two because I've lost some stuff killing Eric stuff. And then yeah. I have to spend all these extra orders because Eric killed my work hard to do this like silly order tax thing, which nobody liked. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it sucks. Uh, and I think it was, it was very well done by you. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think that's a really good example of, of how even though you would think uh, there's this huge tempo loss by losing a whole link and your lieutenant. Right, really, what you've done instead mm. is disrupted my tempo because I focused so hard on it, and then like yeah. I committed really hard. I I felt really good about it, and then I was like, okay, like I I felt like I was, uh, I was in yeah. your head. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I've killed mm -hmm. his link. Uh, I looked at I looked at your list, and I was like, the next thing that Eric's gonna make his lieutenant is this Govat HMG. 
right? I'm like, I had you figured out. I was like, I got this. <laughs> this, this is his new lieutenant. It's going to happen. Yeah, I'm like, in your head. I'm like, I, like, I know all the things. Uh, and then I went and killed I Like, the next turn I spent, I sent it to, I think, my other CSU. And I killed your Govad uh, HMG. And I was like, I'm doing it. And the next turn you're like, I'm in loss of the tenant. I was like, knew it. I knew it. Yes. <laughs> well, this, I think that this is a, I mean, this is definitely one of my kind of favorite games to reflect on. And I know that you may not in, have enjoyed it in the moment, but I, I, I feel like this is a great game for a number of reasons. And a part of that is that there's a lot of lessons to be learned in here that I'm not sure either one of us was really cognizant of in the moment. You know, this is a game that like continues to deliver those lessons afterwards because, uh, you know, I was I was totally psyched out in the moment, you know. Right. <laughs> but, but what I did was kind of like come back to it, like, well, the reason these Farzan are here is to go do the thing. So right. just kind of like come back to that kind of like and in the moment, that's enough to to play the game and to make it happen. But there's I, I do love the fact that this the battle report keeps delivering as far as those other kind of bigger like lessons you can take away from it as far as like distracting and um, pulling someone's resources in another direction. Right. For sure. Yeah. And I would like to, I just like to point out if you look at the actual Eric's actual list, um, there's, uh, there's two Farzan mine layers, right. And one Farzan fort observer. And this one fort observer did literally all the things. Yeah. Um, I I remember that was a cheeky uh, Farzan. Yeah. Uh, like you pooped out a bunch of mines, right? To basically again disrupt my tempo, right? And and that was really what what did it, what what did me in. Yeah, great great game. Uh, still still learning still learning from it as you as you said. Yeah. All right, let's talk about one where I win. <laughs> 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 so so here's here's a game which uh, was uh, written up for um, Asteroid Blues. It's a game of Com Center, um, and I played Nomads, my my wheelhouse, right? Uh, thing I started with, and Eric is playing Varuna. Um, and he took the Kamau MSV2 guy again, right? So you'd think that this would be a good mission for that. What you're supposed to do, right? What you're supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> but this is on a table which I am, I think, well, I am definitely the person with the most games on this table because I own it, right? So <laughs> right. I have I have a home turf advantage here. Um, and I think the deployment pictures will tell most of the story here. So you, what I like to say is that the um, Apollo Station table is three tables in one. This table is two tables in one. There's the mountain and the rest of the table. So Eric is commanding most of the most of the regular table, but not really doing anything about the mountain. And what I did instead was I, I, he he went first, I think, right? Let me make sure I'm not lying. Yeah, Eric Eric deployed and went first. Um, so when I saw that he had focused most of his attention down here, because the mountain was like I don't I don't know maybe like do you remember why you chose that? Well, to be honest with you, I hate that mountain. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Every time I try to interact with it, it's like I'm either stuck up there or I'm redirecting energy around. It's like the mountain is just a, a chore. So um, I think I just didn't want to deal with it, to be honest with you. That's fair. So what ended up happening instead was I I took advantage of it and I put an intruder in Pywall up there. And that basically yeah. gave me the tempo advantage the whole game. Because this is a this is a great example too. I think this is a great example to use as a contrast to the bird as the word because um, this this demonstrates the kind of other scenario where yes you can kind of lean back and let the Kamau kind of dominate the board, but not always. Right. Yeah. No. The we I mean, we talk about this all the time with the Kamau. Everybody everybody is freaking out about the Kamau, but everybody now has a plan for the Kamau. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
And I think that the bigger thing, the thing, so I think the distinction here, a big important distinction here between this this uh, situation and the vert as a word is in that uh, I had a fallback plan. The Crocman and the Zulu Cobra were the list, and the Kamau was sitting there. Where as if the Kamau is too much of the plan, then I think you're in a you're in a tough situation. Right. Yeah. So I mean, let's look at your list real quick. Right. So. You had, in terms of specialists that weren't in the link, you had the Zulu Cobra Ford Observer, which I think was actually the one that did most of the work for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then Zulu Cobra, that's right. That's basically it. Yep. Yeah, Zulu yeah, Cobra you Killer Hacker. What else is going on in this list? There's there isn't another plan. It, it's really just it's everything is a little bit too spread out. Right. Hmm. Yep. So I mean, like I, I think I think this is a a good example of how to leverage positioning to get tempo advantage, right? So putting stuff on the mountain definitely forces Eric to respond because there's an intruder up there. I'm not going to leave him out to arrow. That's not the right tool for that, right? The, the intruder HMG is going to shoot a bunch of stuff, spend his last order shooting and going prone. That's what he's going to do, and you can't get to him up there because Eric, all, like this this uh, I don't know why I labeled it Thanos. That should be a Fugazi. Okay. <laughs> anyway, there's two flash pulse guys up there. Like they're not going to stop an intruder, right? Yeah. Um, so basically, I knew I was in trouble, man. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, so let, let's talk about what that happens. Like, if the the intruder's prone, you can do whatever you want when the intruder's prone. I'm not AROing you. You can wander around with impunity, but you have to dedicate orders to get whatever piece you're moving around into cover from the intruder. Which means that you know this goes back to the very original point, which is like I'm leading you around. I'm anticipating yeah. what you're going to do. Like I'm, I'm basically saying like this is the space you're allowed to have. Don't end in this area. Which means I'm forcing you to expend orders. Which I means I'm dictating your your choices and your resource expenditure. Right. Yeah. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Was there was there much thinking to why the um, why you left the mountain so bare? I mean, like I like I said in the beginning, I don't know that. So this was, I think, my second game with Varuna, and um, the first one was a long time before this, um, during during your birthday actually. So I had one game before this, which was a cutter game, and so this was this was an attempt to kind of like figure them out. And I think that, I mean, I think it all kind of comes back to if you look at that list, there isn't there isn't really a plan. You can't, you can't look at anything here and say like, okay, everything's got a specific like purpose in this list. There's a couple things are kind of like spread out. And again, I just hate that mountain. So <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I mean, uh, this table has been a real work in progress. There's been a lot of iterations and improvements to it. Um, I don't like this was, I think like a good, alpha version but i think the beta version is is much better because it has a lot more tall i got more terrain yeah, is basically what yeah. did it like and i having, should say i hate it but i appreciate it especially because of games like this where the mountain has taught me respect <laughs> yeah but i mean like there's another game which i was considering for this for this uh, uh discussion which i had an ulan on the mountain i think against you as well yeah um, I remember and that, yeah. uh and it ended up not really matter. I think you were playing like QK or something ridiculous. I was playing uh I was playing vanilla hawk. Right. Well I mean I, I say that because there's a Jam Zen HMG on the map. Yeah, exactly. So you basically tried to do the same thing to me as I did here. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. but then I ulamed you and it was interesting. Um but yeah, so I, I think I think this is a this is basically just like an example of how to how to leverage positioning to get um to I mean that actually advantage. that other game you're talking about there is also a great example of what we're talking about with tempo because you were totally crushing me with that Ulan, but 
I still won because I had a very fast specialist run up, grab the thing, and then run all the way back into my deployment zone. Yeah, so and here it is. Hide. This is this is the mission here. Um, yeah. So what? We'll, we'll remember which one it was? Oh, I think I yeah. You use like the you use the Nemur and yeah yeah. That was really what did, did we played rescue. Yeah yeah yeah. You ran your your Nemur around it for sure. I have a lot of respect for those Nemur. <laughs> yeah. Right. Especially my last game with John using one. Yeah, it, they're pretty gross. Okay, let's talk about uh, this game um, mm -hmm. with, uh, with with Drews. Um, so let's take a look at this. Uh, so this this is an example of how how dice uh, interact with tempo, right? So okay. um, I'm playing Drews. Um, this is a game of uh, safe area, which is like a, a area control mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, I, I went first, I believe. Yeah, I went first. And so I set up my Drews blob somewhere in the middle. And one of the one of the, so like for those of you who aren't familiar with Drews, one of the key aspects of Drews is that if you put any models on the table, there's like three legal links there. Yeah, that's, exactly. ba that's basically the way they work. Like there's so many you know, wild cards, or like you can put three of this and two of that in there, and then you can like mix and match however you want. So it's very very flexible in terms of links. Um, so I deployed all these these guys around, and Eric's like, okay, well I'm going to put this Lasique. Uh, viral sniper, uh, which the Drews are not immune to, um, and put it in a position where I can shoot like something that was easy to shoot, like I think it was this HRL or something. Um, and most people would be like, okay, well, I'm going to use the tool that the, the Lucy can see to fight my way out of the situation, right? So, like by putting the uh, viral sniper Lucy out, it's sort of like putting the Kamau out and saying, or the three TR bots and saying, like, okay, I'm dictating your tempo because you have to deal with this. And my response was, instead of saying, like, I'm going to form a five-man, I said, I'm going to form a four-man, right? I'm going to give up mm. that plus three BS, and I'm going to retain my movement bonuses, basically, um, and I'm going to deny your your attempt to uh, deny my tempo, right? Because now I have freedom of movement. I can move around with impunity. You're loose. He can't see these four guys. I can get to where I want to go and secure the quadrants that I need to secure. And then later, when I get something in better range bands for the Lasik, I will engage and, and take it out. And then I'm free to move the fifth guy that I that I couldn't move before. So what actually ends up happening though is um, I shift a bunch of stuff around. I form the new link because Drews are dumb, right? And I have an 87.56% chance to drop the Lasik, right? In fact, I have a 76.58% to do two wounds and just take it off the table. Um, so you would you would make sure you have the math on that. Yeah, and uh, of course it doesn't work. And I spent a bunch of orders doing it, and the Lasik fails guts out of a line of fire. And I'm like, okay, well, I have right here a Hunza cut. So the Lasik is here. This Hunza cut's right there. I could just sneak around there and then shotgun the Lasik in good range. And what's the Lasik going to do against a, like a, a surprise shot shotgun with innate? 60% chances it doesn't work, right? <laughs> so now I've spent my entire first turn like just flailing around trying to kill one model and Eric's retained the tempo advantage. Even though I was like, I'm going to be more clever than Eric and I'm going to deny him his, 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 like, his gambit of like trying to lock down my five-man link by forming a four-man link, ha, 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 right? Um, it didn't work. I spent my, I, you know, I spent my Hunzakut's surprise camo thing on him too. didn't work either. Now what? Well, I'm down to a few orders left and I'm like, I really need to regain the tempo. Like I thought about this actually in the game. I remember distinctly. I was like, okay, I'm I haven't really done anything this turn. I've just sort of like flailed around. I've got uh, a Hunza cut like way up in the front, 
and it's out of out of camo. I don't really want to recamo because a, a mutt's going to come up and jammer it, or like intuitive attack with a with a chain rifle. It's going to be a waste of effort. So I need to do something to disrupt Eric and um, and just like regain some you know mm -hmm. advantage. So I did what Drews do, and he MLGL'd his lieutenant. <laughs> that's the thing, right? So I mean, like that's I feel like that's the thing to do, right? Like um, what when you when you when you run into a situation where um, you have a dice problem, right? I spent, you know, 90% of my orders or like 80% of my orders trying to deal with this one stupid Lasik, right? How do you recover from that? Lasik's still alive. I've, I've, a ton of stuff is out of position. I'm going to lose my forward, my forward deployed uh, specialist, which I need for stuff, right? Like, I need, I need that thing. I need the Hunza Cut. Like, I don't want to just waste it. It's a really great unit. How do I recover from this? Well, like, in your list, you should always have some sort of plan to deal with these sorts of things, which is why LGLs are great, especially things with X-Visor like Drew's. Um, so I think when you're, when you're building lists and thinking about deployment, right, this goes back way back to our earlier point about like being able to read a few moves in advance. What happens if I fail, right? The third, the third unspoken branch. What happens if I spend six orders trying to do this thing? It doesn't work. What's my backup plan, right? And my backup plan was bad. Because even though Drews are arguably the best at randomly grenading stuff on the table, right? The only other contender really is Starco with Emily, right? Mm -hmm. It was a bad plan, and it succeeded because dice, you know, finally went my way. Uh, but you know, having having access to a plan is 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 super important. Well, it's interesting because a lot of people, a lot of people, they they have a plan. They start off with the plan, but then as soon as it doesn't work out, mm -hmm. they just mm -hmm. like freeze up. Right, like the thing didn't work. I didn't think about Plan B. I didn't think about contingencies. I have no idea what to do next. Um, right, and it, it completely robs them of any ability they have to set tempo. Right, and I, I think I think this is important because uh, you need to make this decision at list time. Right, so those of you participating in the Rose, uh, in the Rose City Raid Bremen Academy mission this next month, right, think about this. Uh -huh. What happens if your Kriza HMG dies? What's your backup plan? Yeah. Somebody's somebody's gonna EM him. Somebody's gonna jammer him. Somebody's gonna shoot him. Yep. If you're playing at the Rose City raid, that will 100 percent happen. <laughs> Someone's gonna Saito him. Yeah. Yeah. Someone like, something something bad will happen. Um. And and you know the other I thing know. is sorry. Go ahead. Well, so yeah, he might not might not even be killed. Yeah, he might not be killed. He must be sitting there forever and not doing anything. Um. But yeah, so like dice dice really affected this game. Um. I managed to sneak out a win because of dice. Um. Like Eric really disrupted my tempo. Um. You know, with with the dice going his way so so strongly, uh, and it was only because I managed to dodge a Drews. Like he like you move something at the end of the game, and I was like, ah, I, this Drews will dodge this way, and I like no idea if it was in in the quadrant or not, and it wasn't until like late in the game. Yeah, I, I remember being stuff. very disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, there's a Drews in the quadrant. But to be I, like, fair, like yeah. if you look at that dice math, I had no right to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean it's, like. It, it's it's funny because you know we talk about something with an eighty three percent chance, right? That's like a two up roll. But right. there are you know if you think about like a, a D, in context of a D six, like there's plenty of times like sixteen percent of the time happens fairly often. It happens about sixteen percent yeah. of the time. Like that is that is a non zero chance. Um, you know, a lot of people think that eighty three percent chance is a hundred percent chance, mm -hmm. right? They act like it's a hundred percent chance, yeah. right. as if it's a hundred percent chance. And then when they realize, wow, eighty-three percent means eighty-three percent, um, like that's when 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 their plans start to fall apart. 
Um, so yeah, just interesting note about numbers, little numbers there. Well, I, I want to ask you this question, Eric. I mean, this is the benefit of having you on the on the show tonight. Um, so oftentimes, uh, you know, especially against an army like Drews, um, it can be very disheartening to like kill the link team leader on your active turn. You're like, okay, the, the Drews link is broken. They're down to four men or three men, right? Like, I, I feel good about this. I've done some damage. And only to have the opposing player um, reform a five-man link out of, like, whatever's in the area, mm-hmm. right? Um, but because you did it so consistently through the game, just, like, going after um, uh, the link team leader, forcing you to make me to make decisions where I would have to break the link to, to deny you an ARO on a member that was just sort of, like, hanging out in the middle of nowhere, right? Um you ran me out of command tokens, which is what almost cost me the game. That's yeah. why it was uh, a question of, like, did I make the dodge roll or not? Because if I had command tokens that had to reform the link, and then while I was shooting that stuff with, like, some competent gunfighter, I would have just, like, trundled the Druze, like, up the side of a building and into the right quadrant, and then I would have won for sure, right? But because yeah. because command tokens are a resource that people often forget, right? Every time you spend one, it's 25% of your resources in that pool. Yeah. Like, was that something that you thought about? It's hard to remember if I thought about it in that particular game, but it's definitely, I mean, I think to put it in kind of the reverse context, it's definitely something I was thinking about in the vert is the word. And in, in that, I had to kind of make that assessment. Is the link team more valuable or is, the, uh, is, this, is getting the box one step further more valuable? And I think that that's, I don't, I don't know, like you can kind of flip that back and forth, but... Um, I guess the question is really like how much how much of what the link team is there to do has the link team done, and um, whether that be in order efficiency, whether that be in those link team bonuses, right? I don't know. Does that answer? Does that answer the oh, question? Are you, are you talking about your Kamal link or my my? Well, kind of in both questions. I, I think that kind of like the value of that command token. Command token is a very interesting one because it's like sometimes I'm like I don't I don't care command token, and then sometimes a command token is so is so crucial. Um, if, if you're yeah. fighting, if, if it's like a blob, if the, if the problem is this really tough link team, then absolutely. I mean, removing command tokens by breaking the link over and over, whatever it is that you have to do, I think that's a very valid approach to addressing that link team. Fair enough. Let's talk about, let's talk about links in a different context now. So this is a game, um, where it was Tunguska versus Rama, and I did a very hipster list. I apologize. Um, so well, you expect nothing less. Yeah. So here is a, here is a weirdo thing, right? There's no Hollow Man Link. There's actually just two duos. That's that's the list. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most John list I've seen all day. <laughs> and then here's Eric's list, um, which has a couple of uh, of legal links in here, basically all centered around uh, Tariq here in Rama. Um, and basically this is a, this is a, uh, a tic-tac-toe mission. Um, and one of the things to remember about tic-tac-toe, if you guys don't, if you haven't played it, cause I don't think it's in the current rotation is there's a grid of nine antennas and a three by three grid. Uh, and you basically have to play tic-tac-toe and you want to connect either, you know, a line or a diagonal and that gets you the most points. Um, and so looking at the deployment here, uh, again, this is a mission sort of where you where you ceded control of the mountain with except for this one shihab, which actually was a, a huge thorn in my side the whole game. Um, you deployed everything in the middle. And I think that sort of forced your hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. basically, uh, this, is a, this is a game where dice went in my favor in two critical moments. The first was uh, when Tariq was 
fighting uh, my war core in a flashball spot, and I think I got you with my flashball spot. And the second was when you were about to, uh, you were about, to, yeah, this is right here. You were about to flamethrower my only specialist in the midfield, and I got you with a with a lucky flash pulse, and that was what that was, that was what did it for me. Um, so flash pulse, I think, is a is an underutilized. Uh, well, I mean, like people sort of poo poo it a little bit, and they like especially newer players are like I want to have a big gun, but if you look if you talk to experienced players, they're like, oh yeah, flash pulse spots are great, workers are great because you can just totally stall out something and just stop an advance. And but it, it, I mean, it's it's more than just like taxing somebody it's just a hard stop in some cases mm-hmm. yeah this is i think a great um if i can remember how you described it in that and again sorry to keep pointing at the bird as the word but this is kind of the that's kind of one of the more fresh games for me um but sure. you described that link for you as sort of being like the expression of your will <laughs> you right know, kind of like everything you had on the table was being pushed forward with that link and i think that um this is a great example of how that way of approaching the game can kind of like fall apart because the, to Tariq here was Tariq and his big blob were the expression of my will. Mm-hmm. And I was shoving them across the table and then they got flash pulsed without the orders to do one to make the decisive blow they needed to in the middle and two to recover from being stuck in the center. Right. And so, I mean, I, th- I think that's one of the problems is when you suffer a flash pulse, right. Or something like it doesn't have to be a flash pulse. Something bad happens to your link. What do you do? Like, how do you recover from that? And it, what ended up happening was you sort of left them in the middle because they're safe yeah. there, right? If yeah. you look at this picture, there's a big plane on this landing pad. I can't really shoot you through it, right? I have to get like up on the mountain or something. Um, but what this does is it opens a huge, a huge attack surface for me, oh, right? Because yeah. if you just look at the geometry of it, right? You're in the middle, you're exposed on three sides, Right, as opposed to being in your deployment zone, you're really only exposed on one side. Your flanks are roughly are mostly protected by the other stuff in your deployment zone. Right now, you're advanced and you've exposed more surface area. Um, so I, you know, like push putting Miranda here with uh, a nanopulsar and a boarding shotgun is a threat to your link now because she's got ODD and she can really come up there and do some damage. So you had to, you, you were like, well, I have to respond to that, and you send the Nafatune with the heavy flamethrower. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, I think, actually a, a fantastic example for speaking about tempo because I think that for me, I mean, when I was learning how to play the game and Nate was kind of like trying to drill in certain ideas and just crushing me over and over, tempo was something we talked about all the time. And I think the quintessential like lesson, like to like distill it into like a little nugget, is like that first turn where you try to accomplish everything instead right. of like waiting. And this is like the, this is like the, the first turn, you know, the first turn alpha strike gone wrong is when you like, are like, all right, first turn, I'm going to get it done. But you, you don't necessarily like even have, you know, things are a little too far away. You don't actually have the full like momentum to get that done. If you wait one turn and there, you know, your opponent moves into that center field, all of a sudden, as you say, there's a wider surface area for you to attack um yeah i mean this this was just like the kind of distillation of that really tough lesson of like well this is what happens when you stomp into the middle with no way back right i mean you kind of have to though in tic-tac-toe right i think you were trying to connect the center line of antennas right which i I think is probably the most dangerous line to connect because you expose the most surface area yeah so it's it's interesting though i mean i did have a toreg and a nahab that i could have 
done other things with. I mean, and you it, did you did that exact thing, right? You brought the Nahab up here. So basically, what ended up happening, I think, was you connected the uh, the the uh, one in the middle line closest to you, and then you connected the the center one. And then you were basically like, there's no way, given I've gotten flash pulse and like things are going poorly, and I've started to encircle you, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to give up. And then you brought in the Nahab on top of the mountain and grabbed that objective. And now, you know, you're, you're doing double duty, right? We'll talk about this in a minute. So this line, there's an objective under this like little snow-covered hut thing, this one, and then uh, Miranda's right next to this last one. So basically all you need to do is kill Miranda with the tar egg, and then you've connected this line here in the center, and you're good. Right, so you initially started with this this line across this axis, like going along the table from player to player, and now you decided like I'm just gonna do the center line of the table from left to right, right? And um, it's, I think uh, that's... it's interesting to contemplate um, how I was kind of saying earlier on in the conversation, like if you kind of flip the, you know, if you go like, okay, I need to accomplish my objective with this many orders, and then I can have fun with this, and you flip that around and if mm -hmm. you flip this kind of mindset around if i had started with the nahab and the toreg and then put them in defensive positions and then waited for turn two to do the center console would have been a much um potentially th potentially that's so i guess what i've been thinking about is again with vert vert as a word like using those small kind of side pieces and having them do a little something before before committing the full core to or the full effort to your objective right yeah i mean so if you think about it um in terms of just like position right so you put you put your if you put your hand in the middle of the table and you say this is mine right and then i put my hand in the middle and swat your hand away and say no it's mine now now i'm in a position of power and your position is degraded because you've lost material and position right like going back to your, your what you just said, if you said like I'm going to take the left and the right side, right now I have to attack both sides, and that spreads me out. Mm. It spreads out my 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 ability to do things, and then you can say like okay, well uh, maybe you get one, but I still have a counter strike ready in the form of a linked Tariq, right, and I can shove it down the middle and take it on the second turn. Yeah, that's an excellent. Yeah. So sorry, go ahead, Adam. You were saying? Oh no, I was just. Um... It's interesting to see the way this tempo works out in a lot of ways. I'm wondering if we can, uh, if we should talk a little bit about <clears throat> kind of some tools that people can use um, to achieve tempo to kind of work on that in their, you know, for their own games. Sure. Yeah. Talk, um, talk a bit about planning. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it is like you have to practice scenario, practice your list, right? Like know, uh, know what you expect things to do in the list, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, one of the interesting, I think that that's actually really a really powerful point to talk about. Like, we can go into that pretty deep, even where, you know, you, you have a plan of like, this is how I'm going to get to the objectives, but making sure that plan encompasses on when you're going to get to the objectives is pretty crucial. Um, sure. Yeah. You're, if you're playing, ooh, is it supremacy or quadrant control that you can break the console? I think it's supremacy. Yeah, I uh, think it's supremacy. Right. So, like, you don't need to rush out and get the consoles unless you have a plan to break them. Right. right, and it's only worth breaking them if you can break more than half of them, you know, right. and start denying your opponent. But if you, you know, if you plan like, okay, turn one, here's I'm going to get to all the consoles. If you didn't break them, then you have to defend them for two more turns, right? And then you, your your defense of those consoles becomes something which then dictates your tempo the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. um, so like that's a really dangerous trap to get into. Um, any of these missions that score at the end of the game versus end of the turn, right? Like Yep. A totally different tempo that's going to happen between those two. Um, so similarly, the difference between something like supremacy 
and um, uh, was it safe area? I mean, I get those like safe area, quadrant control, and supremacy are basically the same. they're all the same. Yeah, it's very it's very difficult so, to remember. But one's at the end of the game, right? And yeah, and knowing when you need to control these zones, all of that dictates your tempo throughout the game, and it's all stuff that's easily ignored or played into. You think like I'm just going to crush this, you know, crush the scenario on turn one. Yeah. So uh, I, I I think part of it is like giving yourself permission to relax and just like focus on what you need to do right yeah. and, and like like all you need to do is really just open com log and be like how do i win this mission right right it, like it says right there at the top of the com log <laughs> entry for the mission it's like do these things it, like it tells yeah. you like the priority too <laughs> right like this one is worth the most points do that thing um but like you still have to remember right like uh uh scoring into the mission or scoring at the end of the turn, right? So I really want to quickly touch on my game against James at Adepticon a couple of years yeah. ago, um, where he, we were playing uh, ISS versus, he was playing more traditional ISS for those of you paying attention. <laughs> and, uh, and I was playing JSA. Basically what I let him, I, I had, I had an informational advantage. Um, I had a bunch of like hidden deployment. I had some stuff in buildings that he forgot about. Um, and basically what I did was I just let him get the objectives from turn one and two. I was like, you can have them. They're yours. This became a power pack. As long as I'm, I'm, I have the last say. As long as I get the objective, I win the game. That's exactly what happened. I let him like burn out all of his tempo and all of his resources. He just like came in, smashed a bunch of my stuff, or tried to secure all the objectives. And I was like, all right, that's great. And then I reveal Saito and flip the objective, and I win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and part of and the last thing I wanted to touch on is, uh, you know, you have to advance. Excuse me, advance stuff in the middle of the game. Uh, for the last turn, right? So this goes back to um, having those reserves at the end of the run, right? Uh, yeah. So I advanced a Shikami at the end of turn two to be able to go for the far console in James's near James's deployment zones uh, at the end uh, to, to to really get the ten two ten two win. But anyway, yeah, that's that's basically what I wanted to say about that. Yeah, no, it's it it is again. Yeah, you know, there is so much that goes into planning that isn't just like we said. How do I crush this on turn one? Sure, right. right. It's, and, and also, if you are going to crush out in turn one, it also means that turns two and three, you need to figure out how to defend your your victory. Um, right. As opposed to the turn three stealing, mm-hmm. victory, which feels great to do and really ticks off whoever you're playing against. But it's also, in a way, is a, a, quite a bit safer. Um, but also, you know, that's all list-dependent, scenario-dependent, how you play, how you yeah. play. There's like, you know, 10 different levers to pull mm-hmm. there. Um, and yeah. then so what else do we have? So... Um, Kerry was saying, giving yourself time to relax and refocus on the big picture. Right. Like being able to get back to your plan is important. You yeah. know, if, if you do wander off the path, if you're like, well, that thing's really, there's a really juicy target right there. I want to, I want to go murder that thing. Like, yeah, you're, you know, you're human. You want to go, you want to go shoot the things with your guys. You want to take the bait. Um, but if you don't have an ability to recover from that, you can hold yourself out of position. Sure. And I mean, like, part of that goes back to what Eric and you were saying is like, set aside some orders. Whether you choose to do the fun stuff first or the mission first, right? We can argue about which one is better. <laughs> but, <laughs> but just like earmark some orders, right? Like, just say, I'm going to spend four orders doing this thing. Yeah. And then also knowing how many orders to come back from doing that thing. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, retreat, the Tariq lesson right there. If you get flash pulsed, you got to be able to get back to your deployment zone. Right. Yeah, and you know you have to think about what happens after deployment, right? So de- deployment is a turn in the game. How do you develop after that, right? Like have a plan for where things go, how they affect uh, your opponent, how they affect your 
chances on uh, later in the game. Do you, do you have to earmark orders to like move your Shikami up, for example? Right. So think about movement after deployment. And and you want things that uh, let you have free tempo, right? So infiltrators are great, right? So that one Farzan in um, in, in Imperial Fun Police that uh, that Eric used to win the game, or I guess tie the game, but basically win, um, mm -hmm. is is a great example of that, right? Like it was in the right place, right time, because he picked it at list building time to say like I want to have something that I can get free, basically free movement out of because it starts next to the button, right? And What's funny is a lot of those units that um, that give you free tempo are also giving you free positional advantage, right? Like they're they're starting in a place that's that's uh, unexpected for your opponent, or starting in a place that's advantageous, or a place that they're you're going to force a response out of. Um, so those two kind of tie really nicely together. Those you know infiltrating camo markers, um, God forbid, especially you know, infiltrating camo markers that are also mine layers, mm -hmm. or my least favorite is the infiltrating TO marker that is also a mine layer. <laughs> yep. You got plenty you got plenty of that in our first game of Paradiso. Oh my god. I totally forgot about Clipsos mine layers. And I'm like, you took two of Gauss? Okay, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I would do that. that. <laughs> you know I would. And I know you would, so it's not an unreasonable thing to expect from you. Right. Any normal person would be like yeah. And that's mine. why he builds lists like that. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. John is just like, nope, taken. Yeah. <laughs> and like, speaking of, of Mr. Panosian over here with Crocman Mine Layers, yeah. like, you can really mess somebody up with that. They're like, wait a minute, you have camouflage now? What? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, if you can get do that with a actual, like, potential real camo token in your list, then that's the, that's like the choice spot where it's like, hypothetically, that could just be a camo guy. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm thankful there there are not a whole lot of TO mine layers in the game. That's <laughs> I think that's uh yeah, how come I, I need more of them in Shasvasi? That's what I really need. Like where's my malignos mine layer? <laughs> Disappointed, robbed, right Hey, you get you get a Dazer mine layer. That's good enough. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I'll I'll yeah, I'll take that. Good enough. Um so we also there's uh, there's things like bikes. Yep. Right. Yeah. So if you're interested in how to use bikes, uh, go look up um, my JSA battle reports on MercuryCon.net. Basically, I oftentimes wait until turn three and then take advantage of their eight six movement to do all kinds of annoying nonsense to make Adam sad. Yeah, um, you you get a ton of work done with the Crouchy Rider Lieutenant. It's yeah. just, it's amazing. Like everyone kind of poo-poo's her, I feel like. And every time I play you, I'm like, man, I wish she wasn't here. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> but like the thing is, you know, people people think about impetuous stuff, and they're just like, "I want to use it because it's there." Don't do it, yeah. right? Use it when when you when yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, you have right. a choice in this case. Yeah, well, and that that's the that's the the bringing back to tempo too, right? Is do do you use it just because you can because it's a free order? Or? Right. Yeah. Are you are are you like if you use it, do you have to undo it later? Yes, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, I, I feel like that's usually when I lose, um, there's kind of a discussion going on right now with like devil dogs, right? And the right. shotgun devil dog versus the chain rifle devil dog. Mm -hmm. And to me, like hands down, I love the shotgun and 90% of people I think d disagree. Um, but the, I know. As, as somebody who's been on the receiving end of that thing, that's gross, right? Like I, it, it's fast enough 
that I can get it to where I want, shoot some things, and then get it to a safe position. Mm-hmm. With six four or you know, six four super jumps, six six four is buddy, like I'm getting wherever I want and then I'm getting away. Um right. and then it becomes still this like if it's not in a position that's easy for you to kill, you either have to spend orders digging it out or endure another attack from it because it, mm-hmm. it is fast enough to get where I need to go. And it'll get you out of cover too. Yeah, you will. And man, if 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 shotguns are the way they are in code one in the in the N four, having the option between the mm-hmm. AP round or the damage fifteen template with first mm-hmm. two, um, be like, what's a chain rifle? I don't even. Bye bye. Like, well, it, it depends. It depends if a shotgun has intuitive attack. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, sure, sure. That will that will be a big differentiator for me. Mm-hmm. This is like for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It is a thing. I'll take a burst too. Well, the thing is, like, if if shotguns become a direct template weapon or the plus six shot, there's all, the decision is always wrong. It totally changes how you deal with shotgun. Sure. Right? Like shotguns currently are like, cool, you've got a shotgun. Well, I guess I'm going, I'm shooting you, so we go face to face. Right. But now they can always pick the worst result for you. Mm-hmm. And That's a good point. Yeah. If you dodge against my devil dog, I will BS sixteen heavy shotgun you on burst two all day long and there's zero wounds back to me where like a regular devil dog with a chain rifle or any other similar warband right right like i am i am forcing your bad decision and then i know i'm going to take the wound in the process right and so for the devil dog to even be so resilient that it can ignore the wound it's armor four anyways um that shotgun dog's going to be a whole other beast for sure Sorry, little tangent there. No, Love no that. worries. Speaking of tangents, did you want to talk about Aeronautica or you want to say that for another episode? Yeah. No, no, no. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk briefly about it because I feel like it kind of fits It, it fits in this discussion a lot. Um, so we forgot to mention it in the bit where we talk about the games we played, uh, but John and I played a game of Aeronautica yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and really damn fun game. Um, but what I kind of felt pretty quickly into playing the game once we, once we figured out what we were doing yeah. uh, <clears throat> is... In the way that Blood Bowl is like ninety percent positioning, mm-hmm. I kind of felt like Aeronautica is about ninety percent tempo, right? Like positioning is obviously part of it, but with how fast and maneuverable things are in that game, and how quickly you can put yourself out of position by attacking too early or committing too early, to any, like the timing for when you attack is everything, and the timing for when you do your maneuvers is everything. Um, and so I kind of can see. Where playing similar, like we said, that playing Blood Bowl made us better Infinity players because it's all about um, prioritization and positioning. Where I kind of feel like Aeronautica will actually have a lot of transferable, um, transferable uh, uh, principles um, when we start thinking about tempo, right? Like you're using you're using the Imperials, right? Which are which were a much slower fleet, right? Right, and you were traveling, you were flying at slow speed, which is then forcing me to advance up my you know, my DACA jets as fast as I can get to try to get to close the gap. And as soon as I do that, you throttle up and zoom past me. And then, yep. like, where'd you go? Like, and, mm. and it's going to take me forever to turn my butt around to engage you again. Um, yeah, so I think that's really clever. And then once we get a little bit better, um, I started to do it where to to force myself out of bad tempo is I, I would climb into a stall, mm-hmm. right? Like, purposely stall out my, or uh, dive into a stall, stall out my engines, so that I'm going too fast, but it stops me in place. I can slow down enough to not 
uh, to not overshoot you. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like a really interesting ability to be like boop tempo reset. Yeah, exactly. But you know, for for orcs, it comes at the risk of exploding, uh, crashing horribly <laughs> into the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, their handling of four up versus three up for imperials. Or I just noticed that the Tau have like handling two up on the barracudas. Um, so you're going to be figuring that one out. Um, but yeah, so the game becomes a lot more about how you recover from tempo. Right. Um, so I just thought that was kind of an interesting analogy. And these are both, you know, they're both grid-based games, so they abstract a lot of the movement. Yes. Um, but it kind of really forces you then to just focus on some of these core principles. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was kind of an interesting analogy. Um, I want to play more Aeronautica. <laughs> yeah, we should. I want to I want to buy more Tau and build them. Because I don't have a problem at all. I can stop whenever I want. You're not my dad. <laughs> exactly. Well, whenever you want is the key operative there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, great, guys. That was, uh, no, that was, I think there's a lot of really interesting tidbits here, right? Like, it's it's so easy to take the bait. And actually, it's also, for that same note, so easy to set up the bait, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's so easy in a way to um, give your opponent something juicy, something that they feel like is really valuable, Um I could even see doing this in maybe not necessarily Morats because people not, might not buy the the hunting kind of trick in Morats, but mm. in the Cruise Army where you don't have everything with with veteran, but you have a significant chunk of veteran, um, where you could you could give them the bait of like here's my obvious you know brawler lieutenant over here, ah. right? Yeah, here's Arslan. Yeah, good point. Come actually. get me, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, God, yeah. You take Arslan and then the brawler lieutenant. Um, and then somebody goes and spends like half their damn turn or their whole turn going after this guy. And it's like, great, cool. I'm a lost lieutenant. I still have five regular orders right. um, for this link. And then everything else is irregular, but they're in good positions because they're Hanzakets who are irregular anyways. So meh, who cares? They're a peacemaker who I'm going to use an order, irregular order on anyways. A couple of remotes, which I might convert over with command tokens. Like you can, you can quickly recover from that and set up this bait that totally messes up your opponent's whole turn. Right. And they thought they won. Yeah, know? exactly. It's uh, just like me taking out Eric's movie blink. Yeah, exactly. Like, good, good work, John. The objective <laughs> over there. <laughs> um, I don't recommend um, the the strategy that Eric pulled there, which is the purposely deploying in light grenade launcher formation. Yeah. <laughs> Anything we've launcher. learned today is that I am very lucky. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if that's something that I would. You know, maybe you're just a better player than me, um, but I, would, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't go for that myself. Yeah. If if you want to read uh, more more stuff about how Eric is a better player than I am, you can read uh, my battle report um, uh, called um, Avalanche Trigger. I'll link it in the in the description. Uh, yeah, but do. that's that's a that's a really I write a lot about it because I was really butthurt at the end. Uh, so you can you can read all about that. Rage. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, after this uh, after this COVID hard skill reset that everyone's had, right. uh, yep. you might be able to come back uh, stronger and and take down take down Eric the mighty. Well, I I just need to be all Zen like Michael Barakiel, right? And That's the key all... we all need to achieve. Michael just... is he has the best. He's the best poker face of any player Infinity player I've ever played against. And it's frustrating, and he knows it. Like, <laughs> so like, I, one of the last times I played against him because it's been forever because yeah, I moved and stuff. Um, after the game, like I just felt utterly defeated. And he's like, "Oh man, you really have me on the ropes there." 
I was like, when? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a great example is that game with the uh, Lee Blink where, I mean, in the moment, I was like, I think I just lost this game. I made a really dumb choice. And uh, I don't know. There's something to be said for being able to just, like, you know, keep your poker face on. Right. <laughs> Instead of being like, I lost. <laughs> yeah. But just going out and winning while your opponent is busy killing your stuff. Yep. Yeah. So, all right, well. Hey everyone, it's that time. You've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to the Dice of Light Live. John, take away Bromite Academy. Yep. Next month, we're going to do uh, the Rose City Raid list building exercise. So please go check out bromiteacademy.com for the full list and all the rules. We're starting our new uh, quarterly painting thing with Paint Lieutenants. That's a hint for what's coming in the future. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's happening. And then next week on this show, at this time, at this bat time on this bat channel, we'll be reviewing the Code 1 painting contest entrance. So please come back next week at 8.30 p.m. Pacific, uh, U.S. time, and uh, on the Dice, uh, Dice Abide Live on Twitch. That means we can't have any of them as guests on the show. Sorry, Eric. Yeah. Um, so yeah, be sure to, uh, to catch us on the YouTube, Twitter, whatever podcast apps you're using. Um, don't forget while you're watching your sweet podcast, you can see on the screen. The listening, cover- listening to, listening to your podcast. Did I say watch? Yes, yeah. you did. We're going to edit this, right? No, <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> while you're listening to, uh, to us on your sweet podcast apps, don't forget to check out the uh, album artwork for actually change as we go through chapter to chapter to talk about what John said. Um, and because John is a glutton for punishment, he talked about a lot of different battle reports. So I'm sure you'll see tons of images sprinkled all over yeah um, and then yeah of course always there is patreon um where please if you can support us on there give us a you know buy us buy us a beer you know if, if you love what we're doing um it goes a long way to help us to kind of produce help produce some of the best content that we can um and of course a special thanks to all of our patreon patrons um without you i would have to buy cheaper beer um so and, and, and course, our sponsor don't forget our sponsor yes and then of course most or not most importantly, but also very important. Um, Brutal Cities, our first official sponsor, who, uh, once they can, are be sending us some sweet terrain for me to assemble live and build and convert it and probably light and do all kinds of over-the-top things for. I'm really looking forward to get my hands on that. Um, and, of course, you can find me at the, device, at the Dice Abide on Facebook, Dice Abide on YouTube. Um, anywhere you get your podcast, give us thumbs up, follows, five stars, all of the above things. Yep. I'm Wise Kensai everywhere. Um, Eric, is there anything you want to plug besides your your amazing website, EricLworth.com? Echo Romeo India Kappa Lima <laughs> Whiskey Echo Romeo Tango Hotel.com. For those of you who need well, it phonetically spelled out. I mean, I think that's uh, that's the the heart of what I've got on the internet. So <laughs> there you go. This is, this is Eric's heart. We're looking at Eric's heart right here. You can buy the amazing shirt that I am wearing right now. It's called Cosmic Coffee by clicking on this button right here. And, uh, yeah. I, uh, I think you might need to fanatic alphabet his ITS name sometime. <laughs> no, that's not happening. It's unspellable. It's unspellable. <laughs> not even a real... It's phonetic, guys. It's phonetic. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Take care. Yeah, so long. Stay safe. <laughs>